Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Sorry. I was smarter at 24 than I was at 18. And then I probably took a pause while I was in the NFL and didn't get much smarter until my 30s. But uh, life experience and game experience matters. And you guys all know that. And uh, we have we have a more mature team than we've had. Um, some of it's age and some of it's just the character of the kids and the competitiveness of the kids. And um, we definitely have the most guys on the team that I trust this year that we've had. Fan Sports Show. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Just like Coach Frost is smarter today than when he was younger, I too have grown and matured. Hashtag podcast experience matters. Uh-huh. Also with Mac. What's up, broadcasters? It's game week. All right? We can stop talking about nonsense and have a game. Next time we talk, we're going to have a game to speak about, you know? All a speculation. Game. A game. And we're practice. not talking about practice. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Also with Rob. Hey, I'd just like to say congratulations to Honky, Mac, and Boomer on your black shirts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> more daddy up, baby. More daddy up. Corn lifter of the year. <laughs> I've had I've had 37 years of corn. <laughs> I'm sure I'm we'll be handing out some more black shirts here at, at some point during the season. Well, that's good. I just like to say I only vomited three times getting ready for this podcast today. So put in a lot of hard work. So I think we're good to go. <laughs> this is not the 50s, boomer. Come on. Get out of the dark <laughs> ages. That's all about staying hydrated, Dave. So yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. I mean, with all the, the monitoring and technology that we have in today's practices, it's uh, hard to imagine that, um, you know, such things would occur. But um, that's what we talk about in the offseason at Nebraska. So, but mm. to Max's point, we are no longer in the offseason as of a few days from now when uh, the Huskers kick off in Dublin, Ireland versus uh, Northwestern. So, um, Hockey, you had that Northwestern graphic up there. But, I mean, just in general, you guys excited? Oh, yeah, this is great. I mean, I, I'm glad we get to play in week zero and get this game going because, I mean, I, I'm glad it's early. I'm glad I don't have to wait all day and think about mm-hmm. it. I want to wake up, you know, and, and basically be ready to watch the game. I'm, I'm super, super pumped. I can't. Super, super pumped. Uh, this offseason needs to end. <laughs> the talking season <laughs> yes. needs to end. We need to stop doing podcasts. We need to just watch games and then we can yeah. podcast, yeah. you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll uh, we'll cover a breakdown of the uh, Nebraska Northwestern game as well as maybe some uh, college football news, and we also have some betcast um, stuff to cover. Honky, before we do that, you want to uh, uh, take care of our sponsors? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, for upcoming shows, uh, I don't have a graphic for it, but we are going to start doing Monday night shows mm-hmm. at eight thirty Central Time. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and that's going to be our regular weekly uh, Redcast, you know, previewing the next game and, and going over the previous game uh, for some of our promotions. As always, we've got our hailvarsity.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code Redcast, get $10 off your annual subscription. Nice Alumni Hall, two Lincoln locations, downtown 11th and P and South Point Pavilions behind Barnes and Noble. And I am wearing my Adidas hat again. And Rob, I see you have that one on and a bunch of good Adidas gear there. You know, definitely Redcasters go out there and, and, patronize or patronage or whatever the word is to uh, alumni hall. Pathologize. Don't Pathologize patronize to. me. Shop at. How about that? Shop at. <laughs> Go to. <laughs> Go to. Uh, FSC Edge. Redcasters, if you're looking to make a career move, uh, check out FSC Edge. You can find uh, their available positions at www.jobsatfsc.com. Uh, Smack and Smooch. Uh, custom shirts, specialty items. You can find them on Twitter and Facebook at Smack and Smooch. Shane and Laura out there in Elwood. Uh, this is the, the War Daddy Up shirt, and Mac is... I'm featuring it. Here. He's featuring it today. Oh, wrong way. Yeah, wrong yep. way there. And then I've got it the makes War... makes me feel strong and powerful, but but elegant. <laughs> I've got the War Daddy Up with the Go Big Redcast. Uh, Rob's got a very specific one. I can't imagine too many people would want to buy this one, but... Uh, Why he's got... wouldn't they want to buy this one? It's got... It says <laughs> War Daddy Up. It's got the Kool-Aid man, well, Kool-Aid me, jumping through the wall. And it says Redcast. I mean, I if this is not like the number one seller at Smack and Smooch, I don't know what is going to be the number one seller. Very true. Um, but yeah, Redcasters, great sponsors there. Go out, patronize them all. And uh, <laughs> I hope I'm saying that right. That's fine. <laughs> no, that was great. Good job. Oh, My good. mom hated it when I patronized her. Hold yeah, on. no kidding. So Dave, there we go. <laughs> We're through all that. <laughs> oh, all right. Very good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Well, um, Let's see here. Um, Honky, you're going to have to help me because I... No, no problem. Dave and I are doing something new here where we're kind of going through StreamYard here and... Yeah, Honky is uh, moving around. I don't know what I'm doing here. We're trying a new coordinator, head coach kind of situation. Well, I've got this passing game and Honky's got the run game, Mac. And so we'll see how that works out. Oh, we're like the New England Patriots of college football podcasts. There's no real offensive coordinator right here. That's right. That's right. Um, We've made some changes. It's week one, and we're just working through them. So, Dave, here we go. What? What? Tell us about what the betcast here is, Dave. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, we're trying to do something different with the betcast this year. Um, You know, uh, we want to have a betcast segment each week here on on the Redcast show, but. You know, Mondays, which will be our typical day for a, a Redcast is off leader to make uh, predictions. I think we learned our lesson last year when we were trying to do that. And I don't know how well our our um, locks of the week actually fared. <laughs> so, um, you know, a little more interactive approach here where we bring back the uh, Yahoo Fantasy College football pick em. Um, and, uh, we have a go big red cast bets group, uh, information there is on the screen. It's group ID 5209. I'm sure we can tweet and Facebook all this stuff out with a password of BetCast. Um, you can join that and uh, we'll be picking games, top games and all the big 10 games each week, um, throughout the season against the spread. Um, so it's as much like betting as someone in Nebraska can experience unless you're going across the river or, um, doing other illegal things on apps that aren't supposed to allow you to bet. Um, and Soon, though, Dave, we'll have the option. That's right. And eventually we'll have that as a legal option in the state of Nebraska, hopefully sooner than later. Um, and, um, yeah, we'll, we'll combine this with uh, uh, Rob, Boomer, myself, producer Skip. We'll um, release our locks a week later in the week. 
and hopefully we can um, have a, a good time. And Honky, I don't know. I, I had an idea that maybe the winner of this uh, Pick'em contest could potentially be on our uh, fan forum sometime. Oh, that'd be great. I'd love to to welcome the the winner of that to it. And to your point there, uh, graphic designer Swobes, he's going to pr- create some graphics for us that would be uh, you know, on towards what Thursday or Friday of the week, Dave, that would have the lock of the yeah. week. So it'd be more timely and allow you a, a chance to have a, a, you know, get the better, you know, better picks than what we had a year ago. We were doing them so early. Sure to go undefeated this year with this approach. <laughs> <laughs> All about the algorithms, Dave. That's right. That's right. Uh, my power rankings, you know, everything right there will result in a, a an amazing season of, of betting on college football. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that. We'll have a BetCast segment later in the show. But, uh, Honky, I think you want to um, get a, an early uh, kind of, you know, tweet in or parting shot in on uh, uh, the event in Lincoln. I think that's tomorrow, right? Yeah, Jack Mitchell with uh, 1400 KLIN. We just want to promote this because this is awesome. The Nebraska Alumni Marching Band will be at the Break the Curse event Thursday night at Haymarket Park. Doors open at 430 and Sportsmanlike Conduct 1620 will be there live. The Killigans will take the stage after six. Josh Tweederson, John Bishop, uh, Caleb Henry, Break Curses after seven, RSVP, and they have an RSVP on, on Facebook. I don't know if you don't RSVP, if you can't show up, but point is as many people can get there I, as possible. I just, that's a cool thing. We need to break the curse. We need to, we just need curses gone and win games and life is going to get back to normal. Here. Someone needs to, kidnap a leprechaun while they're over in Ireland and see what we can do. <laughs> Mac, I mean, Irish, right? that I mean, doesn't end well, Mac. So. <laughs> You're right. Maybe just a four leaf clover, four leaf clover. <laughs> Leave the leprechauns alone. Let me show I mean, do you, do you actually go search for the pot of gold underneath the rainbow? I mean, is that good or bad luck? I don't, I don't know. How does this work? Shenanigans ensue. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Does everybody need to kiss the Blarney stone? <laughs> that seems very dirty. I don't know. It does. In this COVID time, it seems like a Have you ever no. seen anybody kiss the Blarney stone? You have to like get on your back Under. and put your head in this hole. and it... Someday it's going to slide. And then it's going to be. What, a... are we t- what are we talking about here? I'm the Blarney stone. Oh, I just started to put your head back and put your head in a hole, and I got really confused there for a second. So, Rob, no, you were just having a flashback. It's okay. I am um, <laughs> uh, my old college days. The, um, I did touch the horseshoe this off season on our tour, so I mean that's good luck, right? Uh, like I, I did the tunnel walk. I touched the horseshoe. That's good uh, luck, mean, right? It, for you, at least. I mean, well, it has every player. I, you know what? Things have done nothing but get better for the red cast since I did that. So why not the Huskers? <laughs> okay. All right. I, we'll run with that. We'll run we'll with that. Like, literally, it's gotten cast. better every single week. It's just been fantastic. Well, so, we we do have that. I guess this is the time to, to maybe break that little exciting news that we wanted to talk about. It's just and, call me segue, um, Rob. Well, yeah. Uh, we have press passes to one game but this is a big deal for a, a fan podcast to get it and uh boomer and dave are going to go to the georgia southern game nice. represent they're going to be wearing their their uh well boomer's got his uh polo on there and dave will be getting his polo and and uh we will have two guys in the press box they'll be able to go to the press conference afterwards they'll be able to we're, we're going to do a live uh feed after the game where where rob and i are doing a rapid reaction to the game with Dave and Boomer probably on the field or somewhere after Hopefully. you know just coming coming right out of the uh, the press conference. So oh, it's cool. going to be a really cool event and <clears throat> and it, it quite honestly it's we look at it as an honor because it's not something that they just 
they offer to just to any fan podcast out there. And, and it's something that we, we're going to take very seriously and, and go out there and do the best job that we can do. And Dave and Boomer, I, I, I envy you guys. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I've, I've been up in the press box for a game, a couple of games before, but this was two decades ago um, with the press and it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I look forward to it guys. And Mahaki, were you not up there for like the San Jose State game back in like I don't know two thousand or something like that? It or... was the second year of the the new press box at that time on the West Side. Right. Um, it was my website, Husker Chronicles. My partner and I, Greg and I, um, we partnered up with a couple of different local uh, media outlets that got us the, the press passes, and we got two passes. One was a field pass, and one was up in the box. And the field pass. Greg took and he has like this little point and click camera. He's sitting next to guys that have like, you know, the eight foot long cameras and, and <laughs> it's a little Kodak. And, and it's like 125 degrees because it is the San Jose state game. It's the first game of the year. And they're like, and I get to sit up in the press box eating pizza, sitting next to like Tom Chattel and like some guy from SI and drinking free sodas and stuff. And, and what I remember about is the first half, the first quarter, I was writing every play down. I mean, just scribbling every play, you know, strong left, you know, option left, blah, blah, blah. Somewhere in the middle of the second quarter, stat lady came by and handed everybody a sheet of paper that had every play from the first quarter. And I could just see guys around me giggling, you know, just like <laughs> they knew, they knew, they knew. It was just, it's hazing of the new guy. And they just let me, well, you know, write my arm off there. But um, no, this is going to be a lot of fun. So uh, really excited, excited for you guys to get to go, excited for the, the show and excited to to really bring a really cool post game show to it too. And there'll be, we'll be social media the day throughout and everything. Too. Do you think they'll ask a post game question? Yeah, I wouldn't no. put anything past Dave. No, I, had, I actually, I actually have one that, that I will send. No, I'm not going to take your probably, suggestions, Rob. But it's no, absolutely you appropriate. I knew he wouldn't. I think it would be, I think Rob, it would be you, you, you haven't had a good question on the show in three months. <laughs> well, that's because I haven't done an interview in three months, Dave. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna. I'm citing well, hey, I will on this say one. this. I will say this. It'll be kind of cool because that that'll be the first game since well for a while, and I won't bring up that game that all of us will be at the game together too. That's mm. true. Yeah, yeah. I guess that would have been the Colorado game yeah. or whatever. God back in... darn it, honky! I was that's trying right. Not to bring it up. That's all right. So, anyways, that's that's that exciting news. And the other the other news we wanted to break was the the betcast starting back up. So I I think that's a, a good start there and. And we'll be doing the first BetCast later tonight at the end of this show. So, mm-hmm. yep, a lot of fun. That's right. Absolutely. We'll talk about some season win totals, um, Nebraska picks, that type of stuff. And now, Scarlet Colored Glasses. Uh, let's move on to uh, Scarlet Colored Glasses. That's where we talk about all things Husker football. And um, we'll uh, start with some tweets of That's the week. Honky, you want to run through these? Yeah, absolutely. The, the first one, just real quick, this was from C, uh, CFB Home, and uh, it, this is very reminiscent of the uh, public service announcement that producer Skip put together, suit, stay off of Twitter. But it it says, uh, this is your only reminder for the season before I call you out. Uh, don't tweet at recruits when they decommit, and if you do, only wish them luck. Don't tweet at recruits daily to come to your team. Don't tweet at players blaming the loss on them. There is 60 minutes in football. That's from CFB Home, and we approve that message. Eh, these guys are getting paid now. I'm sorry. <laughs> get over yourselves. You guys wanted the money. I'm sorry. If they get blasted on Twitter, they'll so be it. I, it's cool. It's cool. It's what you wanted. It's what you wanted. I, don't, I, I wouldn't do it, but let's not act like they're innocent students just there to, to get an education and play a game now. Well, 
I mean, some are getting I mean, paid Mac, big, do you feel any different bucks. if it's it's some somebody who's not getting paid any money to play? They just I do. I feel if you were if these were just purely students playing a game for the university, I, I feel that's a, a more of a protected class than if you're now getting endorsed from well, big big bucks. What if it's a poor right guard who isn't getting any yeah, nil and he misses the block that gets the tackle on the the ta- the quarterback who well, is making was, the big money? I mean, do you if blame he was the better? He'd get made. You know? <laughs> but do, I mean, but do we? Do we make fun of the, the right guard who's not making any money? I mean, no, you, at that you point, you go him? to the coaches and say, why don't we have a better right guard that's getting paid? So <laughs> There's a reason we don't put Mac's Twitter handle up on this. Uh... There is a reason. There is. There's a 100% reason. <laughs> um, next up, this is the uh, the Ireland tweet here. And we already have some photos here we're going to show, but Redcasters in Ireland this week, we want to see your photos. Tag us, and we'll show as many as we can on, on next week's Redcast. And, and I can tell you right now, now, guys, we have some redcasters in uh, uh, Ireland that have uh, that have some red get redcast swag. So I think we'll see a few nice. photos of that next week. International, international, That's but awesome. For right now, uh, Kaylee she sent us a boatload of them. So I mean, I'm, I picked the best six I could find for, for right now. But here's a photo of the Nebraska Northwestern sign there with the helmets and everything. Uh, Chapel lizard. I don't know. I, I I brought that up for Boomer. I just figured he'd like that. Um, that looks like a. <laughs> A pond or that something. A, I don't know. Um, <laughs> here's a church. It's Guinness. A yeah. So, I mean, it looks like beautiful land and everything. The I people mean, out there. It's a beautiful country. <laughs> and a cheap and an old be having a blast. In an old church. And if you've ever been to Europe before, you'll know that there's a lot of old churches in, in Europe. That's for sure. So, a lot of old churches. Um, and Dave, last part of the tweets of the week here. Um, these three here. One first one is from, uh, who is it? <laughs> Let me look here. Todd Lisenby. And it was on Stuart Mandel. He has NU and OU both losing a non-conference game. And this turned into a whole thing today because um, it was that he had them going, us going four and eight and them going seven and five. But the way the records were, it's like everybody had to lose a game in, in non-conference. And so we tagged a uh, college football professor and college football matrix mm. who already, they said, if you lose an FCS game, you're, you're just in trouble period. And basically Mandel was saying that, um, you know, flying back from, from uh, Ireland that it would be kind of a trap game playing North Dakota. And Adam McClintock responded, you can count uh, what happens if you lose an FCS game, you can count out a bowl game. To be fair, I think Stewart got his North Dakota schools confused. And then Dave Bartu responded that, you know, how many, if you have us going four and eight, how many trap games do you possibly have us in? You know, <laughs> how do you have trap games if you're four and eight? Right. <laughs> Which, uh, What's this moment? You are the trap game. Like at that point, <laughs> like if you're four and eight team, you are the trap game for other teams at that point. It, it does show the wide spectrum of predictions for this Nebraska team. Mm-hmm. Um, Stuart Mandel, well-respected national media type who does take uh, these predictions pretty seriously. He goes through every year and tries to do it. And, um, and he'll, he'll pre- predict against the, the spread during the week and uh, saying four and eight, uh, Colin Cowherd, um, national media who gets paid millions of dollars by, by Fox. Not and respected others. though. Not respected. Not respected. Not respected. <laughs> well, well, I mean, he's a big deal, but maybe sure. not as respected. Sure. But he listens to a lot of people that are respected. He doesn't do all the homework that Stewart does. Um, sure. Has Nebraska number eight in the country. That's um, and so there's your the seems high. Op- That's opposite. Well, I mean, he is buying into the hype. And um, but where's the hype is- coming from? Well, 
even Adam McClintock, your college football professor who we had on, and he has his own metrics and everything in previous years, he'll have us going, you know, five and seven or, you know, six and six when other people have us higher this year, he has us at eight and four. And that's according to that's his metrics. So the non-biased metrics right now, um, next up here is, uh, from Eric and he goes, the and Boomer, you sent this one to me. I think this is good. The, or was this? No, no, no. You sent the last one. But anyways, it doesn't matter. A historical take on the 2022 predictions. In the last 50 years, 79 coaches have entered year five without a winning season in years one through four. How well did they do in year five? Zero had nine plus wins. Two had eight wins. Nine had seven wins. Seven had six wins. 61 had five wins or less. So that is, that's what Coach Frost going into year five is, is stepping into. Um, I'm all about, I know the red gas is all about making history here. So, uh, uh, but you see that it does show at least historically speaking, where we're at going into year five with what coach Frost is on. Now I, we, I think we'd also say our five years are unique. I think sure. it's unique what he took over. It's unique to have the COVID year in there. I, I'm not saying it's good... every other school had to deal with the same COVID and all that, that we did. I'm just saying when you're, when you're taking our five years to someone's five years, 20 years ago, it's not the same necessarily right. but yeah i think that is kind of what uh when trev was referring to you know the the statistics or the metrics you know yeah. say this probably isn't going to exactly. work but it might you know when he when he had that comment last year that's kind of what he was referring to that's that's dumanji is the one who put together that big sheet last year of all the breakdown of how coaches have done over the years you know that started you know owen era had losing seasons the first four years or five years or whatever it was. So, you know, again, the numbers are what they are, but there are exceptions to it. And why the hell not be an exception? So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's I mean, the, the beauty how many of them went through a pandemic in two of those years. And mm-hmm. all the others. So, I mean, so Mac, just... you're asking where is the hype coming from? So the, yeah. the, the anti-hype is that right there, right? I mean, if you look at like these, these um, trends over 50 years at, on generic teams, no one turns around a team in year five, right? It just doesn't happen, right? Almost, right? I mean, there's been, I think the, he followed that up. Greg Schiano was one of the guys that actually got to the bowl in year five, that type of mm-hmm. stuff, right? Pretty limited number of of um, coaches. Kevin Wilson in Indiana did that and he got fired, right? Uh, but very limited, very limited. So yeah, that's where Stuart Mandel is at. I was like, look, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. You got to prove it to me. I mean, you know, Scott Frost is a, a walking joke to some national media members at this point, right? You know, they just think he's a disaster. Um, but then the the hype, um, and I know you guys don't listen to a lot of the national podcasts or a lot of betting podcasts, but that I do, and the and those guys are like a college football professor, uh, right? Mm-hmm. Who use metrics on a year over year basis, and they look at the anomaly that was last year, and you look at all the stats, and they tell you Nebraska wasn't a three and nine team last year. They were an eight and four team essentially. And sure. they look at that and you look at, at where that seven and a half um, number came for our win total in <coughs> Vegas. And it stayed there. Actually, they've, they've moved the juice around, but it's still seven and a half. And uh, you, you have some, some national betting experts predicting Nebraska to win the West because they just think they're, they're the better team. Right. I mean, so it's, it's out there, you know, well, yeah, and schedules play schedule a role in this too, and, and they absolutely Even, they love the schedule. Some of these guys think that we'll be favored in every game except Michigan, right? Like, Even Trev <laughs> last night on on, oh, on Big Red Wrap Up last night, Trev was interviewed by Michael Severe, and Trev even made reference to the schedule that at least it it plays nice for us. Now at the at the end of the day, 
you have to take advantage of any benefits that the schedule gives you. I mean, we can go out and lose to to Northwestern. We can go out and lose to North Dakota, like uh, yep. you know Stuart Mendel says it. it. Right? We can't take we. You can't look past any team on the schedule, but the schedule plays itself out nicely. That if we play clean football, I think we're in position to win yeah. a lot of games. If if we uh, if we do that, if we fumble the ball around and do things like we did against Illinois, we can lose a lot of games you know, like we did last year. So. Um, the last tweet there, and this is the one that Boomer sent me, and this is amazing. This is from uh, Tony Gerdeman, Saban's non-conference road record at, at Bama's. It's nuts. He goes, amazingly, Nick Saban has never lost a non-conference road game in his 15 years at Alabama. If they win at Texas this season, he will move to an incredible 3-0. and <laughs> Three and oh, okay, Boomer, explain that to to the to the Redcats. Yeah, I, what he's referring to is a true non-conference road game. We were actually going to play a game at a campus site of the opposing school, and as you kind of see there, they tend to play their big non-conference games again, you know, in convenient neutral locations like say Atlanta or New Orleans, you know, places like that for the most part. So. Mm. It's been a long time since they played a whole lot of non-con games off-site uh, at, at a real opponent opponent stadium, and yeah, that certainly we know, I think has helped. So. Do we know the other two uh, victories? Uh, they went to Penn State a That's few years right. ago. I remember that game. Um, the other one off the top of my head, I don't know. I can find out for us here shortly. But yeah, yeah. well, there hasn't been many, to, as you can tell. So. And to Boomer's point, there, Dave, think of Oregon, Georgia this year at neutral site Chick Fil A game at in Atlanta. It's Oregon against yeah. Georgia, but it's not a home game for Georgia. I no, mean, they have a, no. They have a Very shorter fair. drive than Oregon has a flight, but but it's a it's a neutral site game. So the, remember, the SEC is the best conference in the country, though, and it will we'll never see an SEC team playing up north ever. That doesn't happen. Or I'm sorry, not in not in uh, uh, you know November December. They'll never see those teams playing in the snow. Until we get a they playoff. Play, they play until you get an expanded playoff. I'm more into an expanded playoff with with home games uh, for the the higher seeds. I'm more into that than I've ever been before because it just gets to be ridiculous. You have eight team schedules for conference in the in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Your your big non conference game is a is a uh, you know a, a neutral site game that's five minutes away from your home. Uh, you're playing Murray State in the middle of November. All those things that that the SEC has done and championed, and good for them. I mean, it's worked. All for them. done to game the system to get multiple it, playoff teams, and they've yep. done a great job at it. Yep, I mean, at, good. Alabama and Georgia, Nebraska just got done playing Ohio State six straight years from the other division. How often do Alabama and Georgia play in season against each other? I think right. about once every time Neptune goes around the sun. Last time I yep. looked, so yeah. Now yep. that could so, change. I mean. You know, we don't need to talk about SEC, but they have mm-hmm. talked about the three six six model where they actually change their schedule and go to nine games. And if if it's all about money these days and TV contracts, mm-hmm. the Big Ten has shown the value of playing more more good in season games. And Alabama, Georgia, just like a Michigan, Ohio State would bring huge value to a TV contract. And the SEC, if there's a different playoff out there would reconsider that because then they wouldn't mm-hmm. feel like they're going to get punished for a loss. And they did start to change up their scheduling model. We started noticing it a few years ago and it takes a few years yeah. when you start, you know, you're, you're scheduling three, four years out, but I know Alabama is doing this home and away with Texas. They have one coming up with Wisconsin. Other schools are doing the same thing. So I think they are going away a little bit more from the model, but you still see this Georgia, Oregon's crap. Yeah, from this Texas year. is a conference game now. Yeah. Well, Texas yeah, is going right. to be a conference. That's true. But uh, you mentioned 
the expanding conference there, Dave. Oh, well, yeah. Rob, do you do you have no, something there? I was going to say, Dave, Dave talked about expanding conference and TV contracts. So, would this be a good time to talk about that? Was going to be my question, but I was I muted myself, and so that's embarrassing. Yes, Rob, you're correct. You it would it, that's a good statement, Rob. Um, that uh, we haven't actually chat, chatted too much about or at all about the Big Ten TV contracts, which Boomer I think is around eight billion dollars over a seven year period. Um, which will take effect in 2023. And uh, that is obviously including uh, USC and UCLA joining the conference in 2024. A unique thing about this is that Kevin Warren um, looks really smart <laughs> and um, <laughs> has uh, played uh, at least three of the national broadcasters um, kind of uh, to pair them together. Fox, obviously, who is uh, – been a partner with the Big Ten now for well over a decade and owns 61% of the Big Ten network. And we'll have a majority of the games, but key partners with exclusive time slots with CBS um, going in the afternoon game that used to be the SEC game of the week. And uh, NBC having a Saturday night Big Ten football, which they'll probably brand a similar uh, notion of Sunday night football. Both of them paying around $350 million um, or more four games over those seven years. Rob. Well, I was going to say that one of the, one of the things I read today, I think it was just this morning was um, that we want to talk about Kevin Warren being smart. And I know that this is some people's heads are going to explode saying that, but there's literal clauses in these contracts too, where if Notre Dame joins, everything goes back to kind of the negotiation table, right? Where the money, the main, the amount of money changes because bringing in Notre Dame obviously has a monetary value there. So there's actually, um, I forget what you call those kind of clauses, escalator, escalator clauses. Thank you. Um, yeah, there's escalator clauses in there for Notre Dame. If they do decide to join the conference, so all those people out there saying no way Notre Dame would ever join the big 10 because you know, they're worth too much on their own. Well, this is basically saying like, well, yeah, we, we understand their worth. And in, in the event that they join the big 10, we're going to take that into consideration. Yeah. 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 And, and that is true. It, it, what I, my understanding is that the contracts that are written, there's specific escalators for Notre Dame. So they actually have a monetary value attached to what Notre Dame would bring in and how that would increase the, the TV payout. So that's something if the big 10 is interested in pursuing Notre Dame, they have actual figures to, to present to them. If any other programs join in, then everything can just be kind of renegotiated. So if other programs, you know, get brought in, then it can be, it can be done. But yeah, the Notre Dame end of it, it's, it's, there's a number already set in the, in the TV deal as it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so that, that actually brings us uh, that graphic that we had up is like, you know, how do we get to to 20 teams? I mean, Notre Dame is, is one possible answer to those four question marks, even though it does seem like that Notre Dame uh, is, is being pretty patient here and doesn't seem like they're going to jump at that, that opportunity. I mean, it's interesting just because the Big Ten now is becoming a, a partner with NBC, which is Notre Dame's NBC partner. And now you're going to see Notre Dame games in the afternoon, for example, leading into a Big Ten primetime game on NBC. Mm-hmm. So you have cross promotions there. You may see some value in Notre Dame scheduling more Big Ten teams again, opposed to to not, right? They only have one Big Ten scheme, a team on their schedule. In past years, they used to play Michigan State, Purdue, Michigan every single year practically, right? And they were practically a, a mini member of the Big Ten um, um, for for decades uh, with how many Big Ten teams they would play. So that, that'll be interesting how it plays out. Um, I mean, what, what we're hearing, though, is that 
outside of the Notre Dame escalation clause and the possibility to grow that eight billion to to ten billion or more, is that so Kevin Warren has um, has a interview on HBO's Real Sports with Brian Gumble where he he talks about he could see the Big Ten going to 20 teams, that that it's likely that we're going to continue to expand. He's had interviews with Dennis Dodd at CBS Sports that says the same thing. Um, and and those expansion, that expansion talk is a little bit different, right? It's more about adding those Pac-12 uh, schools that have been rumored, right? It's about Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and, and Cal. So those might be the four more logical um answers to these four question marks in the near term. Brett McMurphy, who always seems to have the insider knowledge, um, it was on one of the local radio shows last week. He said he he would guarantee that those four schools are in the Big Ten before the next TV contract in 2030. And it thinks it's more likely that they are in the Big Ten in, within two years. Um, and that's where it's really interesting to me and how smart Kevin Warren and or the Big Ten is. Maybe it's Jim Delaney still. I don't know. But there is a fourth window of TV, right? It's the Pac-12 after dark window that mm-hmm. the Big Ten hasn't filled yet, per se. And you could add on to your existing contracts or go back to market for a fourth window and bring in ESPN or a streaming service and have them pay $350 million more for an extra window of games um, that just adds on to what you've already done with CBS, NBC, and Fox. Yeah. Um, it's brilliant. Yeah. The, <laughs> and the you add, you need that extra inventory by adding those four teams and that's how they actually have the value. So, um, the, the big 10 just has played this, um, perfectly, I think. Yeah. And, and you think about the, the networks that we've gotten tied in with now, Fox, NBC, and CBS, who basically runs NFL, uh, you know, it's Fox, CBS, and, and NBC, all, all those, you know, all those guys. Okay, I think we're losing Dave here for a sec, but those networks there are the ones that run NFL. So the cross promotion between NFL, there we go. The cross promotion between NFL and and the Big Ten uh, can be huge in this this future uh, uh, promotion that we can have here. I'm interested. One thing with with Redcasters that are following along here, I'm interested. You know, send us. You know, who do you think the four teams? Are you know obviously you have Notre Dame as one of them, but who are some of the other names that you see? And we'll put them up there on the screen. Uh, Jeremy Brandt, there, Notre Dame, Oregon, Washington, Stanford. Uh, I think Oregon and Washington make a ton of sense, obviously, to get West Coast. Notre Dame is your top one, and then what will be interesting, I think Ken McCone, yeah, he talked about the rumors there of the state of California preventing UCLA. UCLA is in the same uh university system as Cal and and their board of regents have had some issues with UCLA leaving the way that they have. And so would they, does that make Cal more attractive to the conference if that kind of helps it secure that? I don't know. Yeah. Do you throw throw a bone to Cal just to get the regents to sign off on it? Definite possibility. And, you know, people talk about the, you know, PAC 12 like that, you know, what those teams add per se, you know, not necessarily a lot, you know, on their own, but, like everyone was saying, they do bring that Pac-12 window to it, that that after dark. And it does give USC and UCLA, you know, I guess what you want to call it, you know, partners kind of in their time zone for mm-hmm. scheduling for, you know, games. Otherwise, you know, for both football, basketball, and the Olympic sports. Because if you think about it otherwise, that's a lot of travel for a lot of schools, you know, especially those two. So it does kind of make some sense to, to look to the Pac-12. And, you know, and the issue with Notre Dame, 
you know, how tied in are they to those ACC media rights? Um, you know, that whole contract, which I'm still amazed anyone in the ACC signed a few years ago when they wow. signed away their media rights to 2087 or whatever the hell it was. I mean, I don't know how they convinced anyone to, to sign those away. But, you know, there, there's always ways around that. That's what all those big lawyers are for. And so I, it, even if it is a possibility that the Big 12 or excuse me, the Big 10 would add, you know, four Pac-12 schools, you know, in, in a few years, if, you know, North Carolina and Notre Dame want to join the Big Ten. Would we not expand to 22? I'm pretty sure they would. So there's going to be a lot to this. And, and like Dave said, the part of the brilliance of this TV deal we had, it, our TV deal, the Big Ten's TV deal is up again before the ACC's current one is up. So we'll have negotiated it twice before the ACC's is even done. So just the amount of money it's going to be worth in seven years or so is going to be crazy. So yep. Big Ten's played this whole TV deal very well. So. I'm back. You guys can hear me okay? There you go, Dave's yep, back. Yep. You look yeah. good. Hopefully you got my entire uh, soliloquy there. I thought I, I really hit it. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But um, I was, it was it was weird. It was like watching um what was that movie with like the cameras where they were out the but Blair did you Witch hear Project? It, Rob, it was the question. Did you uh, not it? as much, but it was like watching the Blair Witch Project on on our own screens <laughs> and down there and with the camera moving I'm around. So scared. All right. Well, I'll have to listen back and see what you guys actually heard. But, we didn't um, hear much, honestly. No, we got we got you. You were muted. You. Thank you. It was all there. I just wish whatever's going to happen would would get over with. Yeah. And just be yeah. done with it. Like, yeah. stop playing games. Let's get to the conferences and just so we can start having some traditions develop again. It just it's also in flux right now. It's I don't know. It, <clears throat> I it's I don't know. There's all these trends in college football, and it's good. It's just kind of weird to get a handle on. I, I would end with to Boomer's point about the ACC. I mean, the ACC comes up in 2034, I think, or some crazy thing like that. Um, I mean, the grant of rights over there are, is is a, a pretty solid situation. It's really hard for them to get out of that um, without forking over an immense amount of money. It's really up to the conference, right? And actually dissolving the ACC, all that type of stuff, really isn't likely. There's a whole – you ever read Frank the Tank's slant, you can go check it out. He's got a pretty good description. But the key there is is that by 2030, that's when the window starts to get open for those ACC schools because now they only have like four years, right, And uh, of giving up their grant of rights to the ACC. And if they're only making $40 million still in 2030 – and you could join the Big Ten and make 140, and you don't care about giving 40 million back to the ACC for four years. You're like, that's fine. I'm going to make more money mm-hmm. anyway. I and mean, that's the rumor with Oregon right now is that they would only make 30 some million maybe if they're in the Pac-12. They're happy to to take less from the Big Ten for the first five years, right? And maybe Oregon could find some booster. It's got a few spare pennies to yeah. to shell out for something like yeah, that. It's, it's possible. There might be one or I two. I can think of. I can think of one. I can yeah. think of one or two. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. should we get to Northwestern? Yeah, let's uh, get going with scoring. Nobody, nobody wants to go to Northwestern. I mean, well, actually, a lot of people probably do, Rob. But I mean, um, not not to play only people that want journalism degrees, and those are worthless. <laughs> so. And now, scoring explosion: the offensive breakdown. Uh, Northwestern is a four-down front, uh, also known as even. That's their main front. Um, number 99, I think, is their best defensive lineman. He's really good, has a really good motor. Um, they have a couple of transfers, um, and uh, they had one transfer from Stanford. You know, the inter- two interior D linemen are transfers. And then uh, they lost to safety, number 16. I think his name was Newsom, uh, transferred to uh, Notre Dame. Um, so they got a new starter back there at safety. But um, they have some, some good players in the back end, but they're predominantly 
four down front. Uh, they play cover four, um, and they rotate a little bit. They mix up, and they'll go one high. They'll go zone and man. Uh, they, they bring pressure occasionally. There's certain situations they like to bring pressure. Um, still studying the red zone defense. And I'm still studying you know, certain situations and formations, but we have a pretty good idea and game plan so far. Um, we used kind of this last week of training camp to prepare and put a good game plan together. So uh, today's Sunday, and I feel very confident that we have a great game plan already going in uh, to Ireland before we get on the flight. Um, but I would say 99, uh, their defense lineman definitely stands out on film. And then number 11, uh, he played corner last year, the defensive back. Uh, I would say he probably has the best speed over there. I think he was a 10 600 meter track guy, so he has good speed on the outside. So um, I think they have good talent, and it's a good defense, and uh, I'm excited to line up against them. The breakdown there, you know, number 99, and here's this guy runs a 10 6, and this, these guys transferred out, and these guys transferred in. I mean, certainly no one's going to accuse Casey Thompson of not doing his homework on what Northwestern has and what they're bringing back. And, and uh, even though they've had changes with people transferring and all that, I mean, you know, this is a, the preparation. It's, I'm not saying we're the only school to do it, but it's just, it's good to see our starting quarterback uh, be able to discuss well, I guess, the defense. I just like don't be prepared for an odd front as well. And we don't have to throw it half the playbook. <laughs> we so, we, we yeah. definitely need to not have the odd front issue. For well, Whipple's going to be calling the game from the corner of the field. So hopefully if Frost is standing in the middle of the field, he won't walk over and take the clipboard from him either. So that's true. Whipple will be on the on the ground. Yeah, but there's like a corner but area. Chins will be up. up top. Oh, is that where Chins yeah, is? Chins, yeah. is yeah. chins will be up. Whipple will be down. I guess yep. it doesn't work as well. Then. But uh, Mac, um, I, I, I when I heard that, and I'm I'm impressed by by that. I mean, a couple of things. I guess I mean, Casey Thompson is he's well prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, he has kind of some rote memorization skills, which mm-hmm. he can recall in in at least a somewhat pressure situation of a press conference so you'd like to think you could do the same thing on a on the football field um but do you think that other quarterbacks in the past couldn't do the same thing at least when it counted which is on the field or or is he just better prepared to say that in front of the microphone or was that something like wow i don't think let's not even say adrian let's say any of our past quarterbacks wouldn't be able to just run those type of facts off uh no i think i think a lot of our quarterbacks would have understood what he said and it was interesting that he chose to break it down that way. He took the question very literal and, and really broke it down. And it was interesting. It didn't dazzle me. I mean, I figured yeah. he should know everything he said. I mean, that's that's not super high level, but it was that's but it was a little detailed for an answer. Uh, yeah. What I like about Casey, though, and I think will we'll show up on the field is <clears throat> him coming from Texas, which is also a fishbowl of, of college football. And he was also the quarterback at Texas, which is going to have just as much pressure as a quarterback in Nebraska, uh, if not more. He's not – I don't think he's going to shy away from this moment. I don't think this moment's too big for him. I don't think Nebraska's too big for him. I, whereas sometimes I think Adrian felt way too much pressure. Casey isn't coming in that, with that. I mean, he's he's ready to go. He is locked in. He's, a, he's obviously – a a student of the game and he works on his craft and he's a serious young man. Right? So those are the things that encourage me about him. That, that breakdown was, was good. It was good. But I mean, I, I don't think that's nothing. I don't think that's something we missed in the past. What I think we missed in the past is his, what his uh, hopefully poise. I think this guy and clutch at the end. Well, he's not even clutch, but just, he doesn't panic. You know, there's a difference between clutch and just not screwing up. I mean, and I feel like if we could just get a guy who doesn't screw up, 
And well, we have playmakers around us that I feel like he can get the ball to and, and facilitate. And, I, and that's really yeah, all yeah. we need him to do this year. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'll, I'll let Rob say something quicker, but I, I mean, Boomer or someone just brought up a couple of quotes from, from our listeners saying, Hey, I, I don't think other quarterbacks or college quarterbacks could do that, et cetera. Um, I, boy, I mean, that, I mean, that, that's how you prepare for the game. I mean, you're, you're getting all that information and, and you're hearing from your coaches and you're saying they're telling you who to look for and all that type of stuff. I think it was more impressive that he could just, read it off really quick but i mean yeah, he, that is he what has game recall. preparation is for a quarterback at the college level and even yeah. at the high school level they're doing that the, the but he's 24 age. isn't he i mean yeah. he's not yeah he'll be 24 yeah. in october yep, yep. and, so and he's I, I would be shocked best. if our other quarterbacks rookie. couldn't have done that are, are you talking about not, other quarterbacks on the team yeah. right now well I, I mean at least you're starting quarterback i mean you you earn that mm-hmm. by by yeah. knowing that right? yeah for so, sure I think this goes back to to when we had Aaron Sorensen on the show a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about this, and we talked about the kind of leader that Casey is. I mean, one thing you'll notice is he was not elected as a captain to the team, right? Which is kind of rare for a starting quarterback, but he is a transfer, and the black shirts were even chosen from players that are coming back, guys that have actually played on the field for the Huskers, and people who have not played it down for the Huskers are going to have a chance to to be that. And Casey's one of those guys on the offensive side of the ball, and I think, though, it goes back to his type of leadership because while he may not be the most vocal guy on the field or the most vocal guy maybe in the locker room, he is definitely the most vocal guy when it comes down to breaking down film and understanding and understanding the plays and having that higher expectation for the other guys. I think Aaron said something about that, that like you can tell that he expects a lot more out of his wide receivers. I mean, he even that could be true. And it was when he first came onto campus, what was the first thing he did? He took his offensive line out to dinner, right? And to get to know those guys. And yeah. he was out there in the offseason throwing balls with his wide receivers. Well, they do that all every the time. Well, mean, they they're do, not throwing they do, seven but, on seven when they're out well, offseason. That's crazy I, to me. I know. And, and but just let me finish. But the things that I was hearing, <laughs> and even from like Chancellor Brewington, was like, was My like, brain explodes. He was doing it more than the other guys yeah. in the past. So, what I would, and, I would that's pivot my this point. To. Is, yeah, I get it, Rob. He's, he, I guess he's doing it more. I mean, again, it just questions how well we were prepared in the past, I guess. But I would I would pivot a question to, to Mac on this. I was thinking about this a little bit. We've made a lot on, on this show, and everyone makes a, a lot about Whipple as being the new OC. Mm-hmm. But people aren't making as much about the fact that we have a new quarterback coach mm-hmm. as well, right? No one's talking about that. But that that is probably more intriguing to me is how well Whipple has been able to prepare these these quarterbacks and how well do they respond to his coaching style opposed to uh, Mario's? Well, Mac, you had you at the 2018 football coaches clinic. You talked with Mario for a good 45 minutes on mm-hmm. the field there, and and you walked away impressed with this general knowledge of just the QB techniques. But but yeah. but I think we grew tired over years. It was of- very much about the biomechanics, and even Mario would say that you know, oh, I don't really know what play we're running or anything like that. I'm just looking for foot placement and how he spins the ball. I'm like, yeah. well, that's not really enough for your salary, but okay. <laughs> I and mean, also, you've only developed the one guy and only very slowly. Well, and I always thought the, the role great. that Mario, really the skill set that Mario brought to the position was more of an analyst totally than, a, than an analyst. a coach. It, it, like To this day, yeah. I wouldn't even mind if Mario was still on staff as an analyst, simply breaking down the techniques of the player. And that's all that person yeah. dealt with. He literally has a PhD in that. But that's a whole different thing from coaching and and, and scheming and how, do you, you know, th- th- there's other things you want out of a QB coach than just how to throw a sidearm. In fact, I remember you walking away from that 
talking about, yeah, you know, he talked about how you threw off your back foot and did all these things. And it was, it was, they practice certain ways to, to throw off your back foot if you were in that position, you know, mm-hmm. and still get the ball downfield. The problem was that at times Martinez was throwing off his back foot and doing those throws when he shouldn't be, yeah. when he should be stepping into a pocket. And four years into it, he was never going to be a pocket passer by the, by the end of the, his time here. Which it, I, it's possible that everybody's better off on that that split, mm-hmm. right? Adrian might be better off in K-State with a different offense that doesn't rely on More him so much in a, in a different personnel package and a different QB coach, and that's the same thing here at Nebraska, right? It's really intriguing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to Rob's point, though, I mean, like when you talked with Brewington too, I mean, look, these – these receivers, they've certainly they've taken to Casey at the very least, and it, and it was very clear for what it's worth. Whipple took to Casey right away too. Whipple, who had been recruiting Purdy for a number of years, you know, even during his time at Pitt, I mean, the, from the very first spring practice, he was sitting there saying, "Yeah, you know, Casey's the guy." And every re, every receiver, I mean, they were pretty much everyone has said from day one that Casey is the guy. Well, so he's it, been able to said step the in. The competition's and, been good at quarterback. And at the same time, Casey's pretty much led the entire time from, from so, day one. So that's good to me. It's it's not like I, the running backs are a poor example, but like where there hasn't been any separation of the running back room, but running backs are a different position in general because you're going to yeah. play more guys. But <clears throat> Casey has clearly defined himself as a starter. And you've also heard that the backups are playing really well, too. So that's that's good. Mm-hmm. You know, Whipple, Whipple does develop quarterbacks. He develops quarterbacks and he also develops them in within the offense, which is something that Verduzco couldn't or didn't do. Mm-hmm. He just developed their throwing mechanics and how to get the ball out and getting their stroke right and all this other stuff, which I loved. You know, that was cool. It sounded great until we didn't win any games ever. You know, and then I was like, well, this isn't going to do it, Mario. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, you, someone said earlier, uh, too big for him, that the game's not too big for him. I've got to show this tweet here since we're on the offense. Um, look how small <laughs> can't be right. No, this is true. Is there this a is, curb this... there. I mean, like uh, there might be a curb involved in this, but this is Teddy Prochaska in Wonderland. This is, is he per... walking to the end of the hall. This I is Prochaska looking down. <laughs> so last week, last week when I had um, Rob Zask on, and we were talking, and Rob mentioned Teddy Prochaska, and he goes, "He's six ten. Well, I'm sorry, it's Rob Zaska, so I have to say it. He goes, "Well, he's six ten, oh, and he goes, actually, he's six eleven. You know, Rob's got like the deepest voice, yeah. and um, but he's like." He's actually closer to probably six eleven, even. And That's you look right. at the, and he goes, he's just a mammoth man. And I mean, Frost is not a small Frost dude. Frost is six three. You make a line over his shoulders, then six three. So <laughs> you're saying seven more inches? Yeah. That's, so nah, that, for all the for all like the podcast lists, no, this is I, this is from you, the World Herald. This I, is not oh, a okay. <laughs> Great. Great. Let me tell you something. Frost is at least two or three feet behind him. They are not even. Frost okay. does not look like a door. There, there might be a curb there. That See that yeah, line? It looks like there a might hobbit. Be a, it might be a six or eight inch curb that like Scott's walking in the street Something's and they're walking wrong on the sidewalk. Agreed. Prohaska's huge. There's a picture of the offensive line. Like, everybody's huge there. Yeah. It, they it's... all look huge. They all like Ben Hart and Prohaska. But you would think those two guys would stand out, but they really don't when it's their whole yeah. line. As Cole just said, there uh, it, clearly there's a curb too. But and for the uh, for the podcasters tomorrow, they're just listening to this. We are looking at a tweet from the World Herald, and it's from Dublin. And Frost is walking right alongside. He looks like Kevin Hart. <laughs> so so short compared to a uh, Frost and stuff. But um, but you know, hey, guess Frodo what? Maybe Baggins that's walking with 
Right. Maybe that's in a Gandalf. Maybe we can kind of move from quarterback to offensive line. We're going through positions. So let's talk okay. offensive line here. Um, Rob, you had a chance last week. You were watching some of the uh, Zaska uh, discussion, the the uh, fan form that I did with him. And he talked about the offensive line being a run blocking offensive line. In fact, he had he had concerns about the pass blocking side of it, but he, he thought the run blocking was uh, – uh, a, a level of strength that we have. In fact, really? that, you know, we had guys that could move Ty Robinson around. He goes, that's not easy to do. Um, when you hear that, Rob, and that's our strength, what would you do if you were Whipple and you're calling an offense? Well, since they listen to the show, um, I would say that I do exactly what they did the following day and talk about the practice they had the day before and how much better they were getting at pass blocking. So, oh, okay. yeah, um, that's funny because I, I, I heard that. I'm, I was laughing and I almost texted it, but then all I would get back is shut up, Rob. So I didn't do it. But um, no, I'm actually excited about it. We have some we have a really good stable of running backs this year. I mean, there's four guys out there that could be starters on just about any team out there, really. And I mean, yeah, here's here you go. Here's a poll where Anthony Grant's going to be the starter. Great job, guys, because that hasn't been said about any from any of the uh, media out there at all, right? Well, um, so Rob, but, what, what is this poll? That's the most. That's the most. The poll is yards. who will be at the most rushing yards versus Northwestern. And, and what's what's interesting is, I mean, look at the breakdown of this. It is overwhelming. With and now we have like I don't know five hundred some votes on it, but mm-hmm. but Anthony Grant is number one. But I mean, I mean, read off the the stats. Yeah. I mean, it's by far. Yeah, it is by far. And again. I've always said it. I think Yant's going to be a, a short yardage kind of guy. Um, and, you know, especially in the red zone, that's where Whipple's offense tends to uh, be a little bit more run heavy. And they had, like I said, they had 26 rush touchdowns last year at Pitt and they were all in the red zone. So they didn't have a, they didn't no bust out a whole lot of run plays. That's right. That no explosive like run it. plays. I know that doesn't sound that great, but the fact is, what is it? A third of their touchdowns or so were scored in the red zone, running the ball. And Yant is that kind of guy. So, and I also think that we'll have our offensive lines not going to be terrible this year. I think that I actually think they're going to end up being a lot better than people think they're going to be. So based off of what Rob, (laughs) I just based off of what, well, because it doesn't seem like when the coaches are talking about that, they do focus on the run side of things. And it almost seems like they're, purposely avoiding talking about the passing side of it, because obviously that's a focus for a lot of people when it comes to Whipple's offense. So it's almost like a, I'll say yeah. it's one of those, what do you call it? A, uh, like a redirection. I, I think we're going to run the, their answers. Yeah. I think we're going to run the ball a lot more I than what people that. think we're going to do. And I think that we're taking, I think we're taking too literal of jumps from what he did a year ago in the ACC with a pit team with Addison at receiver and, and pick it at quarter, third year quarterback. I would throw the ball, as Zaska said, I'd have thrown the ball 75% of the time with those guys, with right, that right. with that lineup. He doesn't have that lineup here. In fact, he has a lineup that uh, aligns itself a lot more with running. And I'm not saying, in a, in a, I'm not saying we're going to run 65% of the time, but I think we're, we have a, a run heavy offensive line. And that's at least early in the season. I think we're going to rely on that. Nothing helps pass blocking I mean, better than really good run blocking. Yeah. That, I think this is one of the most intriguing storylines of the entire season from an offensive perspective is what mm-hmm. is the actual kind of like, uh, you know, run pass ratio, especially mm-hmm. when it really, really counts because yeah. I mean, you look at Whipple's offenses in the past. He, he likes to throw the ball. Scott Frost likes to throw the ball, but mm-hmm. I mean, yep. if we believe, uh, you know, simple or other kind of insiders that have a, a lot of connections within that program, it does sound like that um, the pass blocking has been, 
you know, left something to be desired in, in this, um, you know, uh, fall camp. And that doesn't mean it can't get better as the year goes on. But I mean, I think the best way to make your pass blocker blocking better is to run the ball effectively to mm-hmm. uh, have short, short passing game and play action deep. And, you know, I heard a stat today with Casey Thompson at Texas last year when he had good protection. I don't know exactly how you define that, but like he wasn't pressured. You know, they have all these stats now where you are you pressured or not pressured on Mm -hmm. downs where Casey Thompson throws the ball and he was not pressured. He had a 22 to four TD to INT ratio. 22 to four. He also has a very quick release. And doesn't that I mean, that's going to help the offensive line. Well, it's because when he is pressured, he struggles. It is not good. And so at least <laughs> that's what the data tells you from Texas. When he gets pressured, Casey throws picks. All right. Yeah. So we, no, this... we, we, sh- we as a coaching staff or they as a coaching staff, however you like to think of it, needs to be able to game plan around that. They need to be able to protect Casey Thompson and no matter what that is. And I think the, the basis of that would be a good run game to start. And then it's going to be easier to protect him after that. Good yeah, run I said, game. I did say once that I wouldn't be surprised they opened this game with 10 straight runs. Yeah. I think. Well, yeah, a, a good run game to start. Um, I've said from day one, I wouldn't be shocked if we ran an option. Now, for what it's worth in the one practice, they showed it, meaning they wanted to show it, but they were even showing triple option. So, it, it, it nothing else, it's in the playbook. And we have quarterbacks that have the mobility enough to do it, but also move the pocket. We also have a little and depth, too. We have some depth, but, but move the pocket. Get, you know, we can move. Casey out of there. There's things you can do. And I'm interested also anytime in spring or in fall camp, when one side does well, that's great. Except now it's, well, what's wrong with the other side? So our offensive line has trouble blocking against our pass rush. What if our pass rush, and we'll have a chance here, uh, you know, this weekend, and we'll get to this and throwing the bones, but like Garrett Nelson, he spent time talking about Northwestern's left tackle, Peter uh, Skaronsky, who's an all American. What if he goes out and has success or O'Shawn Mathis does against that guy? And all of a sudden we're like, well, wait a second. Maybe we actually have a good pass rush. Maybe it's not that our offensive tackles, who if it's Ben Hart and, and uh, Prohaska are our tackles, those are two top 100 recruited tackles coming, you know, all-American tackles, four-star guys coming out of high school. Giants. Giants. Um, maybe they're not terrible. Maybe they're going up against a really good pass rush too. It, it's hard to say, right? I, hopefully, now this is, this is a little bit of, the, I'm not going to say Kool-Aid, but just optimism coming out is that I'm hoping – we have this offensive line that's that's improved, that's going up against a defensive line that has a, some real strength now to it. I mean, some of the, the transfers they brought in and the guys that have developed over the years, Garrett Nelson, all that. Hopefully we've had this, these battles that have made them both that much better that by the time we go and we play Northwestern, they can show it on the field that they're both pretty good sides of the ball. But that's the hope. I mean, Northwestern's good enough that they will be able to, to show us as frauds right away if, they, if it's not true. Oh. But think how much better they'd just be if they just didn't commit stupid penalties. Well, that's and, the clean. That's the clean. You game know what I'm part. saying? But like, they could be. That would improve the level of play so much because you wouldn't be putting yourselves back against okay. the wall so early in drives. So I've said it. I've I've a broken record on this. The Oklahoma game last year, first two game plays, we had the pre-snap penalties. Right. So it was first and twenty. We talked about the quarterback earlier and who's a is he a leader or not? Is Casey a leader? If Casey's on the field and we have two pre-snap penalties and it's first and twenty before we even get our first snap against uh, uh, Northwestern, how does Casey respond? Because that's one knock I would have on Martinez, who was a four-year starter. If you go back there and watch, I mean, where's the where's the guy sitting there going, enough, dudes? I mean, you know, how would Tommy Frazier, how would a great former quarterback leader have acted on the field if if we're sitting there 
not playing clean football, yeah. jumping off sides and doing dumb things. You know, this that's where you need the, what kind of leadership do you have then? So, um, but you know, I mean, we've talked QB, we've talked offensive line, we've, we've talked a little bit with the running back there. And I do want to just show that poll again, who will have the most rushing yards, uh, Redcasters you, with 55%, you think it's Anthony Grant. And then what's interesting to me is how close these numbers are. Gabe Urban, Jacques Giant, both 15%. Ramir Johnson actually had the third highest percentage. I think Ramir Johnson had the most total yards of any of those guys. Well, he's at 13% for, mo- for most I rushing yards. Receiving too, but, yeah. but the way that they can put him out there as a receiver, mm-hmm. the way that Yant, I think, can come in as a big back and situational, you know, how often do we get into two back situations where we have two running backs on the field? And it can be in totally different situations. Sometimes they can be in the same backfield, or it could be just moving, you know, Ramir out into some kind of a slot position. What are they, what are they calling that? The, the, the wide back is what the, is what they're calling him there. That's right. Um, it's a perfect opportunity for the Huskar. <laughs> to finally <laughs> the get that wide Huskar, back, the to wide finally back. get the Huskar that you, that you wanted for so long. It's um, a silly name, but uh, you know, so I wouldn't call it a wing back. Why not just call it a wing back? So the last position, I guess we haven't talked about yet on offense then is the wide receiver spot. And just like there's a lot of depth there on the offense or on the running back side, wide receiver. I mean, let's go to that depth chart here we had for offense. Um, we have Trey Palmer, Omar Manning, Marcus Washington. We have those listed as our three starters. Um, Alante Brown, Isaiah Garcia, Castaneda, and then Oliver Martin uh, right behind him. Uh, when we had Aaron Sorensen on a couple of weeks ago, she basically said, yeah, she agreed with that top six in some order. It, there could be, you know, varying, you know, but, Think that could be dependent on the, the play call for the first. first Absolutely. Play, you know? Well, Dave, if you look at that, no matter what, there's Palmer and Washington. There's two transfers right away that yeah. we have listed as starters. So we thought when Joseph got here, we thought he was walking into a really good wide receiver room with Manning and Xavier Betts and, you know, Oliver Martin, all those guys. We Long thought he was, he was so blessed to walk into that, but he came in there and right away, in addition to that, not only did is Betts no longer here, but, he brings in Palmer. He brings in Washington. He brings in uh, Garcia Castaneda. Uh, you know, he recruits the coldest. He recruits a, a, a Bonner, the kid from uh, Georgia there. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's not like uh, it's not like Joseph has just sat on his on his thumbs there and said, "Nah, we're, we're good." You know, I mean, he's he's been working it to to increase the the talent there on for day one here. Yeah, absolutely. Who do you think leads us in yards receiving? For the season or just this weekend? For the season. I think Palmer. I want to say Volkolik. What do you think Volkolik tied in, boys? I think it's tied in. Good call, Mac. Maybe. We'll see. Could be. Volkolik's the, the captain out of the – Of course, the that only prediction has been wrong every single year ever. <laughs> but whatever. You know, this is the year. <laughs> I, I think Palmer can be a big big play receiver for us there. Or, or, or Washington. I think Manning – where I really see Manning – being at his best is if you go back and watch the Oklahoma game from last year and the way they used him in that more as a possession receiver, big body guy yeah. coming across the middle. He is, he's going to be a challenge if they try to cover him one-to-one with, with outside right. linebackers or safeties. Yeah. I mean, that's it's, he's just a mismatch. He's a good run after the catch guy too. That was so big, yeah. but he also, he also is getting challenged left and right every day by Joseph. I mean, Joseph sent a photo out a week ago saying, these are my guys, and it was all of his re- receivers in his room, including Ramir was part of it, and Omar wasn't in the photo. And and he's been the guy that's been called out multiple times about, like, hey, we need him practicing two times in a row and three times in a row. And so yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's part of the just the transition there. Hey, Redcasters. 
I know the economy has been tough and are you looking for a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having a competitive stable history of over 20 years? What is FSC Edge, a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies, expert services, helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. And they support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the United States and Europe. You can work with fun people with great attitudes, learn about patents. You're not on the phone. You're not customer facing. You can dress just like me right now in your Husker tank top and your Go Big Red Cast hat. And you can work in a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. Job also comes with excellent benefits. Go check out available jobs today at www.jobsandfsc.com. It's time to throw the bones. Let's uh, throw the bones and talk all things Husker defense with the black shirts. And uh, we did get some of the black shirt announcements, right, Hockey? Yeah. So, uh, Black shirts are on the defensive line, Ty Robinson and Colton Feast. Hmm. On the edge, Garrett Nelson, Caleb Tanner. Linebackers, Luke Reimer and Nick Henrich. Cor- uh, cornerback, Quentin Newsom, And safeties, Marcus Buford and Miles Farmer. Buford. And for, you know, in-state recruiting Nebraska guy like me, walk-on guy, Luke Reimer and Colton Feast, two hmm. of the nine uh, black shirts are in-state guys that are, you know, walk-ons, mm-hmm. former walk-ons that have built themselves up. And – that some of the very notable names that you're not hearing there, the O'Shawn Mathises and Stephen Wins and, you know, those guys, Tommy Hill. that Tommy Hill, those transfers, that's, as Rob said earlier, that's solely because, and I, I like this move by the coaching staff, yeah. between captains and black shirts, they're basically saying, if you haven't done something as a Husker yet, we're not going to award you that yet. So uh, it wouldn't be a shock if in a week, O'Shawn Mathis has a black shirt after getting two sacks against Northwestern, right. but they're waiting until, uh, until that sack, sure. until those sacks happen. Yeah. Hockey. How many of these guys of these, at least this first set of nine were black shirts last year? Uh, let's see. You'd have Ty Robinson. Mm-hmm. You'd have Garrett Nelson, Reimer and Henrich. I'm sure were. Tanner was, I don't know if Tanner, I'm not sure oh. if Tanner was, Caleb Tanner? Yes, he might've been last year. And then, Caleb and then Newsom, but uh, definitely new ones would be Buford, yeah. uh, Farmer, and uh, feast for sure, yeah. at yeah. least out of that. That's a good question. I'm, I'm not sure about Tanner. You might be right. Tanner and might be right. And going forward, then you mentioned Oshan. I'd imagine uh, Stephen Wynn might be it, and Nash Hutchmacher might be up there. Um, yeah, obviously Tommy Hill, and then and then I mean, there's the the Nick spot too, the nickel, where sure. some combination of you know Sipple was guaranteeing that it's going to be Gifford. Could be Gifford. I've heard good things about Kolarevich. I love the length that Javen Wright could bring to that position if yeah. he's healthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking a six-five guy playing JoJo's position. Got up to six R- five. Yeah, I mean, six-five guy that could be big enough to to rush from an outside. Side, you know, his six-five, six foot five. We're I mean, basketball it, team playing football these days. It's it's crazy. Um, yeah. I want to show the the video here of Garrett Nelson at the press conference on on Sunday. And again, this is him talking about Northwestern left tackle, Peter Skaronsky, who's going to be an all American and just kind of the, the respect he has for him, but also, uh, you know, this is what he's been sure. working his way up to as a pass rusher. Uh, I mean, you know, that's why you play in this league, uh, in the big 10 every week, you're going to have the best offensive lineman, uh, in the country, uh, you're going against. And, um, you know, we, I've always been talking about how much I've improved my pass rush. And, um, like you said, this is probably the great test right out the gate. So, um, you know, that's uh, 
definitely been it's been on my mind for a while if if you want to be honest um I'm really excited um because obviously that like I said that's why you're in the in this league to rush against those best guys but um I'm really excited for the opportunity and yeah, no, he uh, great player. Really excited to go against him. You know, Dave, I, I was thinking about, you know, putting down, like, what are some goals of the game? Or, you know, there's so many opportunities that Shenander has talked about, you know, wanting to get Tanner, Mathis, Nelson onto the field at the same time. And I, I think that can be a dynamic trio. Think of the things you can do with them. Mm-hmm. But one of the goals and one of the things I'm going to be watching immediately out of the gates is, how do we hold up in the middle in this new four-man front? If I'm Northwestern, it's all first down offense. If you can get five yards up the gut on us and get us into second and fives, we'll never see those three guys on the field at the same time. You know, So it's how do you hold up on first down? How do you keep them at second and eight and second and nine so that they are in positions where you're mm-hmm. starting to put those talented, you know, yeah. a lot get a lot of that, that talented pass rushing skill out there. I think the defense has a very different look than a year ago and has a very different talent base than it had a year Could ago. Be. But but you've got to earn it in the middle. And where we lost Damian Daniels in a three-man front, we needed a guy like Daniels as a nose tackle. But now, now it looks a little different. Four-man front, you've got two guys in the middle. Kind of Those two guys have to, have to just gum up guard to guard on offense. They have to just make it harder than heck to get any movement in the middle between the guards. And then start to force everything, shift everything out further – further to the outside. And I, and I think, you know, we set the edge with those edge guys. I, I think, I think we'll be a hard team to go sideline to sideline on, but, but right up the gut, that's going to be, we're going to find out right away against Northwestern. Yeah. It, it's going to be interesting. And I think it's a interesting test just to see Northwestern uh, in, in game one and, and see how they um, attack this, this defense. Obviously last year um, was in Nebraska's favor, right? I mean, 56 to seven, and if you, if I remember correctly, we definitely had some some pressures and some turnovers that we created and, and capitalized on to to get that big lead. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out. You know, if you think about Northwestern. I mean, Northwestern is a team that's had this cycle of up and down, right? I mean, uh, they mm-hmm. they go to the uh, win the West in eighteen, then they go three and nine and nineteen, then they. In the COVID year, they go seven and two and win the West. And last year, they go three and nine. So some people are saying, "Oh, they they could be back," you know. And and Fitzgerald said, "Hey, we're more experienced this year, and that's the key to to Northwestern." Uh, but they do only have, I think, um, five guys back from the defensive side of the ball. If you really think about Northwestern, it, it's it's a tell of two two teams really, right? Offensively, as we played them, I mean, let's look at the think about the scores. They scored seven points last year. Mm-hmm. Even when they've beaten us, how many points have they scored? 21 13 i mean they, they've won really grinded out low scoring games versus us though the odds of northwestern putting a bunch of points up against us is pretty low even in our, our first game of the year where you could say like well defense has been practiced against air right now and that's that's tough so the offense might have a little bit of an advantage maybe northwestern scores a little bit more in game one than they would against nebraska in game six or seven but if Northwestern scores a lot, that, that'd be really shocking. So the question is, how good is our offense? Can can it score enough points? Because I just don't think mm-hmm. Northwestern's going to drop more than 21 on us. If you look at Northwestern, it, it's a little anecdotal for people to think they'll just turn it around because they have so many times in the past. When they've turned it around in the past, the year that they went 3-9 and nine or 4-8, and eight, whatever they went, they were very competitive 
at four and eight and three and nine. Yeah. A year ago, that wasn't the case. And one of the reasons was the defense that you're talking about, they're winning games because they score 21 and they give up 20. Well, that, those defenses under Hankwitz, their, their defensive yep. coordinator who yeah, left after the 2020 season, that guy was a great, great defense coordinator. Well, they struggled last year. We put up 56 on them. Uh-huh. And, and, it, there's a lot that they have to prove right now. And how, I, I envision, by the way, I think they're going to be a better defense this year and year two with the coordinator than they were a year ago. But that just they they went through a transition. Their defense struggled and they, they were not competitive last year in a lot of their losses. And that was new to Northwestern because normally they were they, they were very similar to how we were a year ago. A lot of times they'd go three and nine, four and eight, but they were all real close games. So um, anyways. No doubt they're going to be motivated. They're going to, they want to get that taste of last year out of their mouth too. I mean, it's two, three and nine teams playing against each other. So both of us can sit there and say, Hey, no, we, we sucked less than you did or whatever. But at the end of the day, you're, but we're also different. They also have two conference or at least divisional championships in that same four years. Sure. Oh yeah. So we better be more hungry than they are. Oh my gosh. I mean, at the end of the day, when we bring in 35 new players through the transfer portal and through normal recruiting, more than a third of our team that's going to basically be playing or out there on the field, more than a third of it is new. Yeah. I mean, these are guys that don't have any of that background. They don't even remember. They don't know that we beat them 56 to seven. They right. weren't part of that. So it's, um, you know, you're hoping that the, all the bad thoughts are gone with bringing in new guys that, that don't have those memories. Or the good thoughts of last year still remain somehow. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. a different, right. But um, whatever it takes, they can check Wikipedia, yeah. Dave, it'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you, you, you can check Wikipedia and look at the scores and like, we just don't give up that many points to North Washington. So yeah, they just, that's not how they win. And so, I mean, if they're successful with grinding this game down to a halt and all that type of stuff, uh, they could keep this, this down. But uh, if we score more than 21 points, we, we should have a really good chance of winning this game. And Dave, so, do you have any concern any concern defense backfield wise where we're, where we are replacing three longtime starters, Cam Taylor Britt at corner and the two safeties that, you know, uh, Williams and, and uh, Desmute that had been there for, for forever. I mean, three years each, yeah. I think any concerns with the replacements. Uh, when we play Oklahoma or a, a pass heavy team that can scheme well against maybe some vulnerable Positions like Purdue, yeah, sure. But I don't think Northwestern has the playmakers on the offensive side of the ball, especially at the wideout position, um, to to make a sweat too much. And if they do, that that's going to be a, be a red flag. Um, so hmm. I'd look out for for that. But I, I just don't. I mean, I don't think they have anybody really on that the receiving core that's going to going to scare you. I, they have a couple of good running backs, um, and I think their offensive line is probably okay. Um, so it, that will be a focus but if they beat us throwing the ball that's i'd be a bad sign for the rest of the season do we have any questions boomer oh there's all sorts of questions i'm sure but uh let's see here uh what do you want it to be defense offense well we're talking all there's all sorts of stuff or wild card here's one from uh here's a wild card uh do we have an advantage being there a day earlier before hydrox uh getting more practice potentially yes yeah, absolutely. Next question. They just well, they just showed up today. Uh, they showed up today. We showed up yesterday. So we have an extra day of acclimation, and then they're going to stay a, a day later afterwards because they have a bye week you know, on week one. Did they not see our coach but, slide down a banister? Yeah. Why would they not get there a day early? I don't know. I, I well, would want as much acclimation. Yeah, I would want as much acclimation period as I possibly could have if I was them so before the game. I'm surprised um, but, even earlier. Well, Dave, you were just yeah. there, so I mean, maybe you can talk a little bit about how 
that was for you like you flying over there how long did it take for you for you to get acclimated really sure. so i mean everybody's different i flew to spain but very similar mm-hmm. uh, about a eight hour flight approximately between chicago and, and madrid and um i mean you've heard it on all the local radios i mean the key is when you land which you do typically land in the morning we landed it before 8 a.m in madrid you got to power through that first day you no matter what you got uh sleep wise on that plane uh, because you need to reset your clock. And so you try to stay up as long as you possibly can. Um, I can sleep on a plane. I can sleep virtually anywhere. So I, I probably got three, four hours of sleep on that plane. I was I was fine. Katie, my wife, was a little tired, but she powered through just like as we planned. We, we got uh, their siestas in Spain. So we did take a short nap, like dinner time, essentially, then woke up. And then we were out till like 3 a.m. that next night. Um, because that's what they do in Madrid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, kids are out at 1 a.m. It's no big deal in Madrid. It's like, yeah. 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 Um, and um, that's they're picking and then your we were totally too. reset. We slept in the next morning and we were, we were fine. So mm-hmm. now, the key di- is to power through that first day. In addition to the timing of getting there is also where they're staying. And Nebraska is staying at a, what used to be a Ritz Carlton, like a five-star you know, hotel that's 45 minutes away from the, uh, from the stadium. Northwestern is staying at a place that's within walking distance of it. And I, I think part of the point there is just getting away from the, the, the environment because Dublin, they don't, you're not going to tailgate anyone that's out there. You're not tailgating in a parking lot in, in Dublin. You're, you're pub gating because everything is built right up next to the stadium. And so, mm. um, you know, I think that's part of the environment there too. And look, at the end of the day, this is all ancillary, ancillary, I don't even ancillary, know ancillary, just, there's no excuses. I mean, damn right. There's no excuse. It, it, we can't sit there and say, "Oh, we played a bad game because we had jet lag." The other team's going to have the same thing too. So it's like you yep. just got to you got to fight through that. And there's no excuses and play a clean football game. And I think we're going to come back with a win. So much time to prepare for this. It's 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 seemingly they they adjusted camp to accommodate for it. Everything they've done. There's no excuses for that. You're 100 right. I'm, I, it, and it's even. It's it's even either way. The Northwestern isn't going to have any advantage either. So, it, what's what's going to be difficult win, lose, or draw is the next game coming back. I know it, I know it's not a trap game per se, but that's a that's a quick flip. I mean, you've had months to prepare for this one game, but then to turn around in like less than six days to get ready for the next game could be difficult. Thank God it's not somebody even better. What else, Boomer? We've got a ton of people watching right now. Thank you oh, yeah, so much, Redcasters. A lot of good comments. Uh, let's see. What else we got? Uh, how about this? Who's scoring the first TD? Ooh. Rob, you got to go with this, man. We haven't heard from Rob in a little bit. I'm going to – I I said it all along. I think that we're going to – that Yant will probably have a couple touchdowns in this game scoring from short yardage inside inside the 10. So, so, so get be, to the – I think it'll be the... Yant. It'll be Yant on, on like a five-yard run right up the middle. In the first drive of the game, so get so get into the red zone and then boom, just put Yan on the field and just bounce like, him in. If you're at the five and it's like first and first and goal or you know second and goal, absolutely give him the ball. Okay, right okay. So Rob calls it, it the first touchdown is Yan. Dave, what's the first play? <laughs> Please say options. Uh, say options. Say options. Say swing options. pass. Swing no, pass. I'm, I'm gonna say just like. Uh, 34 power, just, you know, something off tackle. I don't know, something basic. Right. They're going to hand the you, ball off for sure. Do you, do you think Whipple just takes it deep? Send, nope. You know, send Washington? Don't think? I will, get a good lose, I will, part of my language, but I will lose my shit if that happens, quite frankly. 
I wouldn't. It's so hard to a, predict. I mean, I, I running mean, back angle route for for Northwestern to prepare for this. It's really interesting, you know. And and I think there's a lot of a lot of advantages for that first quarter or so. So I mean, I think we need to be able to play to to Whip's point, play a clean first quarter essentially, mm-hmm. and not give anything away, and mm-hmm. take advantage of some of the schematic advantage you have initially, and and get a couple scores up on them, and then you're going to be in a good spot the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. Mac, do you want the ball first? Or would you rather be on defense first here? Oh, defense for sure. Best foot forward. I think our defense is – everybody. I think offense is the hardest thing to have right first game, first drive. So I'd rather just go on defense first, get, put feel, them out, possibly get another possession. Guys, we're talking about a football game. In three days, we're finally talking football. <laughs> Mac, I, I think it's interesting to me. I think you're – I mean, in normal circumstances, I would agree with that. I, I'm wondering – I've heard a couple of folks talk about how in the last, you know, five to ten years practice, you just have, don't have as much contact any longer, right? You only have a mm-hmm. couple of scrimmages, right? And it's easier for an offense to get into a, a season flow just playing seven-on-seven seven and playing a lot of stuff where it's not tackling down to the ground and you can get your timing down and all those type of things. Defense, you need to tackle, right? Sure. I mean, remember a couple of years ago, it was the COVID year, Navy didn't tackle at all during their, their, their um, fall camp. The first game they come out and they got blown out because they couldn't tackle anybody, right? It was Navy, right? Um, and Ken, the, the coach, I was like, I'll never do that ever again. Um, mm-hmm. Some people are like, you know, defenses are, uh, and again, this is coming from the betting guys that look at all this stuff. They're like, the over in a lot of these early games now hit in the first couple of weeks of the season because the defenses aren't ready to play yet. Mm-hmm. Do, you have any, do you buy into that at all? Listen, I'm historically wrong about all my predictions. So, I mean, you could be right. I, I, I It was just kind of how I felt at the moment. But you can make your argument, and I could agree with that as well. I'm still uh, waiting my only, for my thought to have was, his breakout season. So. My, my only thought was our strength last year was our defense. Um, sure. And, that, and that I feel like in a lot of ways we could have enhanced it with even a better front seven. The back end, maybe some question marks, but a better front seven makes for a better back end. And offensively, we've got so many new – new parts that, <clears throat> you know, I just thought maybe defense. But like I said, Dave, I'm probably wrong. Well, Max, <laughs> Boomer, can you pull that one back up from uh, Anthony Hayek? And uh, he goes, anyone else wondering if Fitzy is going to try and start the game off the same way Nebraska did last year and go for the deep bomb first play? I don't know that they – they have one receiver, their their main guy back, who scored the touchdown for him last year. I don't know. They have um, a quarterback that can throw that. But, yeah, it, yeah, part of the question is do they have the ability to do that same thing? And now they've got – you know, they have two quarterbacks – um, and that they're probably going to play. I think we're going to see two quarterbacks in this game, but um, they, they just have a. I, I really see Northwestern playing a pound it out, slow the game down, slow the number of possessions down. Really, I see them trying to play the same game that we did against Oklahoma a year ago. If we can lessen the number of possessions, we're in good position, yeah. and we were against Oklahoma. We won the style of play against Oklahoma. We lost the game, mm-hmm. but we won the style of play. I think Northwestern, they would rather have less possessions in this than more in, in terms sure. of, you know, both teams there. So um, I think Northwestern is going to come out there. And again, to me, the most important thing is first down defense. And that's against them trying to run the ball up the gut and trying to get five yards sure. and, and just keep moving the chains. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that'll tell us a lot. We're going to learn a lot from this game. I mean, yeah. you know, you always say that for the first for the first game and then you get done with the first game. And it's like, well, you know, next game we'll kind of have a real feel for this. But I think. You, you mentioned it before, what we need to see for the first game. But <clears throat> if special teams is good, if, if defense is good, it's going to be a good year. But, I mean, equally, 
I mean, we'll know pretty quick if we're playing bad football. We'll know pretty quick. I'd like to welcome. I think this might be our first Alabama fan is watching. So I, I mean, yeah, I will. That's <laughs> that's interesting. Well, hey, 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 a wide geographical reach. I, I was going to say, I think this is the first time that we've crossed this, the Mason-Dixon line to the south with our viewers. I don't even. I don't even argue with him. Well, he said, no, and, and we don't also, apologize for anything we said about Alabama earlier in the show. So <laughs> I think he, he also thinks no game should be played north of the Mason-Dixon line. Oh! So, I mean, that's that's the challenge with the, you know, Bama and the SEC. Our, but you know, September second. No, hey, we appreciate tagging Bama though. That's <laughs> Let me just say this. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give a shout out to, to Bama here, um, as a you know a fellow blue blood, and uh, <laughs> Coach, Coach Osborne. Coach Osborne was the greatest of all time for the longest of times. I absolutely love the man. I you can make the argument now for Saban. It's un- <laughs> you could probably make it's the unbelievable what Saban has done. Yeah, I, I will know. give him. I will give him. All the credit. Look, Osborne's, Osborne's right next to him on the Mount Rushmore of, of college football coaches. But what what Bama has done over the last fifteen years is insane. Even though they've only played three true road games in non conference, and they never play north of the Mason Dixon line, and they don't ever play in cold weather. But it's still amazing. I'm not trying to crap. Still very good. Still very good. I would take what Bama's are, done the last fifteen you are years. Achieving. It's yeah. really good. I mean, you play Murray State in November, but it's it's amazing what they've done, <laughs> and and you play eight really conferences. Really scheduling on their part eights. to get a uh, a bye week. Too. It's not a bye week. Eight's only one less than nine, so that's good. It's very good. No, it's look it. Wow. All props to Baylor. So we're just all right, guys. Well, I I think we're we're coming to the end of the defense uh, hockey. Is there anything else we need to cover? No, I think. I think we're. I think we should, uh, you know, kind of jet out of here. And I think, well, unless Max got well, something. No, to say. I just I, who. I don't know. Maybe you guys have talked about this, but of of the uh, guys you're looking forward to see this year on defense on, or just in general. In general, like if you had your top two or three guys that you want to want to see this year, how many of them are newcomers, and how many of them are guys that you're just curious how they're going to come back this year? Is it is it a stronger? Are you guys more interested in the guys we haven't seen yet, or are you more interested in the guys that you feel like could develop that we had on the team last year? Like like Reimer could have a, a ball, or oh, Henry could have a ball. Caleb Tanner's made some big waves, and he's been on the team forever. But at the same time, you got Tommy Hill, who's well in Palmer. I'll, and I'll start, and then we can go around the, around the, the room here with this on offense. I'll say the guy that. Earlier, you said could be the leading receiver. Vokalek. Oh, true. Vokalek coming into the lead tight end position. Allen is now gone. He's to the pros. And to have Vokalek really take that position over, uh, I'm very interested to see what he can do with that. I mean, he's a different style of tight end, big bodied guy. But we see him, you know, a year ago against Oklahoma when he got down the field and caught that 30, 40 yard pass. I mean, he, you know, he can stretch the field too. So I'm really interested to see him. And then defensively, I mean, I guess the whole trio of those guys, we haven't had potentially, I guess I haven't seen him wearing Nebraska yet, you know, and have an in on his helmet, but Oshawn Mathis is a pure pass rusher, but what, what Garrett's developed into and what Tanner has become now as a, as a, uh, a captain. I mean, the, just any combination of that, yeah. that, that's what excites me. Mm-hmm. Um, Rob, how about you? What maybe pick one or on each side? Well, I, and, and again, I guess we could argue whether or not this counts as offense, but I am more interested to see what, uh, Timmy Blinkroot's going to do from the kicker sure. position. Um, you know, the first the first couple of field goal attempts that we take from you know inside 
40 yards, you know, do those go through the upright. Got to make them all. That's a, Got that's, to make them all. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's going to be that's going to be a huge deal for me. I mean, because I could have taken the easy way out and said like Trey Palmer, or one of the wide receivers, but I'm not going to do that. Um, you know, or I could, you know, easily just say that, you know, Thompson, but I, I won't do that. But and from the defensive side, um, I'm curious, the cornerbacks, they're going to be key in, in the defense, because um, regardless if Northwestern doesn't have the wide receiver talent, um, we all know that there there are times where we're just like, oh, my God, this wide receiver, who is he and why is he tearing us up right now? And so I think Hill is going to be the guy that I'd like to see because they've been talking mm-hmm. a lot about him at cam- in like coming out of camp and you hear a lot of good things. So, I mean, Hill and then the rest of the cornerbacks, I think, are really, for me, a big interest because that's going to give the defensive guys a little bit extra time, hopefully, to get to the quarterback on those third downs. I, I think he'll, I think you're going to see him wearing, wearing a fellow black shirt here in about a week. I, I think he'll have I, that. I think him and Mathis for sure. Yeah. I think those Dave? Yeah. I mean, tough question, really. I, I guess I would most interested to see what the combination of like O'Shawn Mathis and Garrett Nelson and Caleb Tanner, those three, can we actually really, seems like there's a lot of hype around this uh, pass rush suddenly, and it could be very, very legitimate. It could be a big game changer. Um, it could help that secondary. That's a little bit unproven um, because you're going to get more pressure on that quarterback. Um, and, and so that I'd be interested to see what happens. If we actually get a, a lot more sacks this year, that, uh, that's a game changer. Um, mm-hmm. Because not only do we stop um, opposing offenses, but that means we create turnovers, negative plays, all that type of mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Boomer? Well, as everyone knows, I'm a special teams fan. I do want to see what uh, Brian Bashini brings to the punt game. That's been something that's been lacking forever. I mean, we're all aware how that imploded on us multiple times last year, just our inability to punt in key moments. And in the Big Ten, as much as you might, as much as we max schools like Iowa and things like that, punting is important. I mean, that flips fields, that changes games, that puts your defense in better positions, and it's huge in, in just Big Ten football in general. So you need to be effective at punting. And I do want to know how if we're going to have an effective punt returner. Who's it going to be? Is it going to be Trey Palmer, Oliver Martin? I want to see someone catch the ball and go forward a few yards. Just anything hey, Boomer, like that. What, what about maybe even schematically with with Bill Bush? For mm-hmm. Not just even an individual making a play, but what about like what if we come out with two returners in a set? Or you know, there's yeah. different things that we can do schematically too. There. Yeah, I mean that would be nice. I I mean I want to focus on just being able to punt the ball. You know, the direction <laughs> everybody's going first. Let, let's start with let's baby step sure. and those sorts of things. Or let's, not recover. Try to recover a punt and step back into the end zone. Yeah, little things like that. Let's let's yeah. baby step to the to the more fancy <sighs> formation. Having flashbacks but, right there. But I think if if we can show early on that hey, if we need to punt the ball well, we can. Mm-hmm. Once we force the other team to punt, we can actually count on positive return yards, setting our offense up for better situations. I, I think it'll pay dividends immensely this season. So yeah, I and, that, that. and that's the thing is that you know Bush during the the open practice two weeks ago with the with the media there, the punter one of the punters and they didn't say which one it was because they had multiple punting units. One of them dropped a punt and he was right on him right away saying, "Hey, every rep counts. That doesn't happen," and and he's not going to allow that to happen. I'm not trying to pick on Cam Taylor Britt. He was a hell of a player for us. He's in the pros now. But Cam Taylor Britt at one point had fumbled four punts in out of like six yeah. consecutive games. If you if out of six yeah. games, if you went back to the Iowa game in 2020 mm-hmm. and then the first three games of last year, it, Bill Bush doesn't allow that to happen. Right. I mean, at some point it's just you do that one time and you're probably not returning it again. You know, I mean, it's just 
having him in there, he's going to demand a level of, of yeah. excellence there that just, you know, has to be done. Mac, what about you? Um, so for the newcomers on offense, uh, Anthony Grant, I think, I, I do think he's probably going to be our, our league guy out. I mean, we're going to play a lot of running backs, but I think he's going to be our league. What guy. about AJ Allen? Damon Benning has been huge on AJ Allen. True freshman. Uh, I, I'm not. Maybe. I don't know. I, don't, I mean, he might be all right. I, I don't want to get to the freshman. I hope we have some other guys. But, I mean, freshman running backs are different. Maybe that could be. But, if he's but, that good, that's a great yeah, thing, if he, right? If, he, if, mean, we, if we learn about A.J. Allen, all is better. Um, as far as, like, returning guys, I like what Bill Bush has said about Ramir Johnson. He's an ascending player. And I think Ramir was starting to get a feel for things last year. And I think he can be a real weapon for us on offense, maybe a difference maker. On the defensive side, um. I think Nick Henry is, is poised for a humongous year. Oh, I think yeah. he's a captain now. Um, he's roommates with Reimer. I think he's going to have a humongous year. And then for the newcomers, I mean, obviously, Oshan is 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 super interesting. And and like it, this defense last year would have been elite with one really good pass rusher. That's this, the this thing. defense last year would have been elite with with one good pass rusher. And if he's that guy, then well, then it's a whole different conversation. This defense was so good last year. And yet it had two, I think, big deficiencies that hopefully have been corrected here. It it didn't make the big plays at times. There were times it dropped intercept. There was three interceptions it could have against Iowa that it, that it, it dropped, and Iowa turned those into field goals and, and, and points. Um, and it wasn't just the Iowa game. There were other games where we didn't make that big play. We didn't get the sack, right? If we have a better pass rush, make a big play. The other thing is, we have to get off the field on third down and not just, I'm not talking third and one. No, like the third are, and 16. Those are the the maddening ones. And go back and watch that Oklahoma game a year ago. There were times that we got them into third and 12. And it's like, yeah, you did everything right. right. Get off the field. And so getting off the field on third down, it, it plays hand in hand. You get those three right. pass rushers out there. And now we've got more, more uh, athleticism and more of a pass rush. And it, they're in a third and long situation okay, now it's time to get off the field. So, and I always say this, I'm not picking on the Iowas or the opponents. They made the plays too. They made the plays to to, to successfully get it. It's, but on our end, we have to, we've done the work. You get in the third and longs, get off the field. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Yep. Henry could be cool too, because he's a four-star Nebraska kid recruit. Like it would be nice to cash in. With Reimer sitting next to him. And I mean, just, yeah, that there's a lot of reasons that you could, a lot of storylines you could really get behind with these guys. So, hey Boomer, you just put up some some of the kicking stats too on in the chat over there, and and I just kind of want to follow up. You said Bleak Road made fifteen of eighteen field goals attempt. He was also perfect. I think he was nine of nine from inside forty last year, God, and he was six, and he was sixteen of eighteen on extra points. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, and so I mean, that I but you put the fifteen of eighteen on field goal attempts with a career long fifty one yard. The three he missed were from longer than forty yards. Which, so I mean, that he just, I mean, that's a game changer right there. If he can continue, hopefully he he doesn't end up like Nebraska ball players where these guys can hit three pointers and they're sleeping and then they show up on our field and they can't, <laughs> hit, and they can't hit a shot from five feet away. Yeah. You know, what I mean, I mean but, it's streaky. Connor Culp yeah. was pretty good for one year too. Exactly. Teddy yeah. Allen was 90% free throw shooter at Scott's Bluff. And he came here and he was like 12%. Couldn't make any was the college hoops were different. And I guess he was like a national player of the year yeah. candidate. Just drives you, know, you crazy. 
Yeah, it does. So, I mean, but no, I, I, that's a big deal for me. And that's why I said bleak road when I was saying players, I want to see, because I just want to see field goals made. If, if we can see those field goals made, we've taken away a lot of those one score losses and making them like one or two score wins. Whipple said it a couple of weeks ago. He sounded almost more like a head coach than an offensive coordinator where he said that, you know, as an offensive coordinator, he goes, I want to score touchdowns all the time, but, but we've got good kickers and we have a good, good, good defense. Mm -hmm. Let's get points. That's the most important thing. Let's walk away from from possessions, at least getting points, and uh, that puts pressure on the other team. And to your point, Dave, if we can, if we kick five field goals and we have fifteen points, that already puts pressure on a Northwestern team that traditionally doesn't score a whole lot more than yep. you know twenty, right. right? I mean, so just Jake walk Man. away with points. That's right. Alumni Hall, they just opened up a sweet new shop in downtown Lincoln. I believe it took over one of the other shops. What shop was that, Honky? It was Husker headquarters. They also have one at 56 and um, Highway 2. So yeah. there's two locations in Lincoln now. And yeah, and they just they just opened up there. And next time I'm in Lincoln, I'm definitely looking forward to going there and checking out this the store itself. You know, we we've we've gone around the Haymarket, checked out a couple stores there, but apparently this one is top notch and and you know, number one with all of like the actual licensed, you know, swag and everything. And I got my shirt there too. So a little Herbie love going on and, you know, rock and roll, uh, mm-hmm. you know, again, that's alumni hall. And you can also check their stuff out alumni hall.com backslash Nebraska. I think it is. And you can see all of the stuff to purchase from them through there. Cause they will send it to you in the mail each year. Approximately 5,000 children are diagnosed with brain cancer. Of those children, nearly 30% will not survive, and many of those that do are left with debilitating side effects for life. We're asking you to help by tuning into the 10th annual Team Jack Foundation Radiothon presented by the Home Agency on September 29th. Become a champion for a cure for just $20 a month. Visit teamjackfoundation.org to learn more. Thank you for helping us fight for a cure. Now back to our show. Go Big Red. Go Big Red. Dave, take us to the BetCast. The BetCast Picks of the Week. All right, all right. I got RedCast Rob and Boomer, and uh, this is kind of the BetCast crew. Producer Skip also um, obviously uh, will assist this year in in ways. But um, so uh, resting beef, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I don't understand. You, you can follow up on the comments later, Dave. Yes, so, yeah. Um, yeah. so uh honky and mac are big on 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 betting so i get it so we're gonna focus uh this segment on on the betcast and you know let's bring up that uh betcast pick em graphic again um just to make sure everybody knows that we have the yahoo fantasy college football pick em. um it's alive right now go ahead and join hopefully there's more names than uh, myself and producer skip on there um they go big red cast bets uh, group ID is 5209. That is the group ID that you really need to have. That's more important than the name itself. So 5209 and uh, password is betcast. So guys, uh, you know, we'll um, have a little uh, preview segment every um, uh, red cast, um, typically on Mondays or sometimes Tuesdays. We'll break down how we did the last week and talk about some of the games we're looking forward to um in the next week and then um we'll make sure that we get our uh picks in um for a a social media blast by uh friday um and obviously we'll uh, follow this pick them quite closely uh week zero games obviously are out there already and there's been a lot of um betting action on the season win totals i don't know if you guys have any 
um, bold predictions. I can run through some of my season win totals that I've I've picked out uh, in our week zero games. Uh, Rob, where do you want to start? Um, geez, I I mean, why don't we just start with Nebraska and Northwestern? All right. Um, I mean, let's just jump the, right at it. There, it's the, it started, I think, 12 or 12 and a half. I think I've seen it creep up all the way up to 13 and a half or so. Boomer, you might be able to bring up those numbers. Um, I think the over-under had been around 49 and a half, but it's already creeped up to 50 and a half now, and I think we'll continue to move in that direction. Um, I think if you like Nebraska, you want to grab them right now before it gets to over two touchdowns. Um, it, it's a big spread. Obviously, we beat them by a lot more than that last year. I think the spread was 11 last year, though. Um, and um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know, Rob. I, I, I'm I'm not going to take Nebraska to cover that. I think they could do it. But I think the better bet might be the over at, at 49 and a half or 50 because I do think that uh, defenses will be a step slow, and I think there's going to be points scored on Saturday night. In- do you think Northwestern will score enough points to, to put that over if Nebraska's gonna not going to cover that spread? They're, they're going to score at their high end. Um, which is what double digits maybe about 20 okay 20 plus or minus a point or so um i'd see 17 to 21 might be where i'd I'd see northwestern and i think we'll drop more than 30 um so that's where i think you can get over that 50 mark um i I think northwestern is just not that good um will we beat them by two touchdowns i don't know i mean i could see a you know 33 to 20 i could see a 35 21 and if you don't get your bet in early on that spread and you get it at 14 or 14 and a half you're going to lose that game i think the over is just a little safer play is, is my take i i actually agree with you on that one too dave because that that 12 and a half only scares me in that if fitzgerald is successful at slowing the game down while i don't think their offense is going to be good enough to um, generate the points like you said um they will take points off the board for us by just not allowing us to have the ball right so you know and then they hold us to it. yeah and they that yeah and they, exactly and and you know and again and even if they hold us to a couple of field goals over there um some of the comments tonight i've seen too uh with the um you know with the field being grass and the weather being i think it's supposed to rain at some point this week out there so the field could be a little bit slower double like every day yeah, I know. So, and it's, but it's supposed to rain a little bit more than usual, I guess, on Friday. So, the night before the game. So, well, I mean, you can um, get into conspiracy theory stuff. I mean, like, let's put that into context. Northwestern is notorious for letting their grass grow in Evanston um, and, and not mowing it and having it being very long. Mm-hmm. Um, unless I don't mow my lawn either, Dave. So, right. Yeah, unless I mean, I mow mine like using, every two weeks his like Irish uh, connections there and is, is making sure that the folks at the stadium are making sure that grass is extra long. It won't be as bad as it is in Northwestern every year. So, Yeah. I mean, but, and that's my point though, is that I think that the game's going to be slowed down a little bit over there. It also be because it's the first game of the year um, and it's against a big 10 opponent, you know, it, it is going to be what it is, which is a big 10 game. And so I do think that you're right where I would take the over on the points, but I don't, that 12 and a half is a scary spread only in that, that regard. Yeah. Boomer, I think you saw, showed um, Vegas chair, Jeremy Brandt. Um, he had 28, 10 is his prediction. He's taking the under. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, I would lean more towards the under on that for all the reasons you've touched on. Uh, Northwestern's going to try to slow the game down and, 
may be able to do it slightly. Um, and if the and if the weather is kind of a little slick and slippery, it may slow things down. And it's the first game for our offense too. They're going to be trying things. I, I would anticipate Nebraska to be trying to establish that run and just kind of keep the game going slowly. So I would probably, if I was going to bet on this game, I'd probably push towards the under. I don't think Northwestern is going to score a lot. So, you know, they're not going to have a huge outpouring of offense. So it just depends on what Nebraska does. And I think 28-ish is probably a fair, fair guess to what Nebraska is going to do. Somewhere in the 20s to, yeah, upper 20s to low 30s, I think, just based on first game of the year and just kind of taking your time. I don't think Northwestern is going to score a lot. Yeah. Just, they, they haven't for a year now, and I don't see them improving this year a whole lot. Yeah, even on their good teams, they don't score that many points. So. No, they don't. So yeah, I, I would lean towards the under if I was going to bet on this one. So. Yeah, and I have not placed this bet. I don't know if I, I will. Uh, I do have a, a, a bet um, – out there already have Vanderbilt covering against Hawaii late on Saturday night. I think I got it at six and a half. Hawaii, I think, is going to be a bit of a hot mess out there. And um, we'll see if Vandy can actually uh, cover a touchdown. Another one that I think it follows Nebraska on Saturday is Illinois versus Wyoming. And, yeah, I was going to bring that one up. It's another yeah. Big Ten uh, week zero. I mean, Illinois was able to pull that off last year, you know, week zero. They, they lost a lot. I mean, they had a bunch of what 12th year seniors or whatever it was thanks to COVID yeah, and everything. Yeah, so true. Yeah. I don't know what to expect out of Illinois this season. So, you know, I mean, I got, you know, some people are, are you know, the big 10 West is just this, this crap shoot, right? You have some people are really high on Illinois and think they're going to do well, not, not win the division well, but definitely think they could get to a bowl and others are like, yeah, there might be a step back this year. I think it's um, really interesting. Um, the, uh, you know, the Bielema approach to, to coaching games, they're going to usually turn it into a rock fight too, right? But they, they have a, a quarterback, Tony, uh, Tommy DeVito, I believe. He's a Syracuse transfer. Um, not bad at Syracuse. He has, has some potential there. So that might be an upgrade at that position. Um, they have uh, Chance Brown and, at running back. They have have some, some talent there. And then with, with Bielema, last year, Comes in in week zero, lots of time to prepare for Nebraska, pulls off the upset. Illinois only wins four games last year. They lost at UTSA, for goodness sakes, right? What was one of the other big wins, though? Penn State. Did yeah, they beat Penn State. State. Didn't they beat Minnesota as well? I mean, they. In Minnesota. At yeah, least they... one of those was um, after a bye week. Um, so I think Bielum is pretty good when he gets some extra time to prepare and scheme against um, a defense. And so. I, and Wyoming's been decimated. Craig Bull has lost most of his talent. Yeah, a lot of those guys have left. They have eight starters coming back from last year, so yeah, yeah very little. So yeah, they, and the they basically they basically they had one more yard a game than they you know on offense, and they gave up on defense too. I think it was like three hundred and they will be down yards from last year. Yeah, and we don't so. have to worry about altitude playing a role here, as Honky likes to note, and whatever Wyoming's <laughs> yeah. involved. So, right. so I, I do think Illinois will cover whatever that spread is right now. I think it's. Um, what anybody have that number in handy? Uh, currently eleven, or you can get ten and a half on Fanduel, but otherwise yeah, eleven on the other sides. So, yeah. um, I like that number. <laughs> altitude, yeah. I mean, you know, Dave lives in the Mile High City. We know these things. That's right. That's right. Go for a run um, and see how you last out here. <laughs> so um I, I don't know have much else on on week zero games it is fun to put a little money on on games that you may not be paying you're, attention you're, to 
you're not taking the Vanderbilt at Hawaii game, Dave. I mentioned you it know already. I mean, yeah, I'm joking. I yes, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm I taking mean, Vanderbilt. A bunch of... I got Vanderbilt at six and a half. Another one that's early is um, is Nevada playing early? They are. They are. They're playing New Mexico State. So that's probably a game where I would take Nevada too. Like, and so, Nevada. so that's an interesting one. What's the spread on that right now, Rob? Oh, man. I I'm think, just looking at I'm looking at the but, schedule. Yeah, it's high. It's it is really high, but yeah, Mexico so, State's not a good team. I mean, they're yeah, but take a pause there. I mean, I Nevada lost their coach. Jay Norvell now is at Colorado State. Um, he yeah, took most true. of his best players with him. Um Nevada's a big hot mess. They could be a really bad team this year. Um I, I like taking New Mexico State to cover a big number there. That's in, that's fair. That's fair. I don't know what the spread is in week zero and there's not a whole lot. I mean, they have stuff out there, but it's, I mean, again, I won't, I won't be betting. The spread this isn't a lot really right now. It's a Nevada, but you can get them anywhere from minus eight and a half to nine and a half. So there you go. Yeah. See, it's, yeah I still so think, I still be, think I'd take that. Um, yeah. It's, uh, there you go. Yeah. yeah and um, Vanderbilt's like one of those teams. A lot of people are kind of high on like, not to like win a ton of games in the sec, but supposed to be a better team this year right than than what they've been i guess if you believe in clark lee i don't i don't know i mean i, I, I have I, i'm just talking about some articles here and there that i read about them i don't i don't really care that much about vanderbilt to be honest with you but you know well, let's then, talk about some other teams that are, are worth maybe being uh high on um in the in the season win totals and you're talking about vanderbilt Another one that we've often talked about on the on the BetCast is Kansas, mm-hmm. and we've got Kansas. What's the what's their win total right now? Two and a half. Two and a half. So we need Kansas to win three. That is correct. Look at their schedule, Boomer. I'm pulling it up as we speak, so that's always a crapshoot with Kansas. They've got Duke, which I think has been slumping. Yeah, Duke has got a coaching change and in a transition. Tennessee Um, Tech. All right. They should beat Tennessee Tech. Houston should beat Tennessee Tech. Houston would probably be a loss, but you get two wins in If They can beat Duke. Can Kansas win one game in the Big 12? They won one last year. They beat Texas. They did. They They did. did. Usually good for that one weird upset in the Big 12. They are. And I I do think. And they got Texas at home this year. (laughs) Lance Leopold. Is is a good coach. Um, I think. Yeah, you got Oklahoma in a weird scenario. I don't know what Iowa State's going to be like. I mean, oh boy. So yeah, that Duke game is so key on that. If they, if they, if you you think they can beat Duke, I think you throw some money down on the over and just to see what happens. Who knows? I mean, if we keep if if they can keep it within if they can keep it within one score against Kansas State at the end of the year, then there's a good chance that they win that game since we know how their quarterback is in one score game. All right. Well, uh, let me run through some of these other uh, win totals that I've, I've got money on and I'll, I'll start with a, a similar uh, program to Kansas right now, Arizona, um, who uh, I think had one win last year. Um, but I, I took them over three Um there, uh, Jed Fish down there, I think, is, is doing a good job. Um, uh, and I think they can get over three. Um, so that's a, another one of those really low numbers that um, seems to be for the taking if you're interested. Uh, I did take Illinois over four and a half. Um, that's a really low number for Illinois, and I think it's out there for them. 
Um, heck, they had four last year. So, what five do you think they're going to win, Dave? Just uh, what's their non-conference? Their non-conference is Wyoming, Wyoming and Virginia and Tennessee Chattanooga. I think those are all three wins potentially. Virginia going through a coaching change, um, and, and what was the other one? Tennessee Tech or something? Ten- no, uh, Chattanooga. Chattanooga. You teach played the moccasins. We know those guys. Um, and so they just need two wins in conference. Yeah. And they yeah. play. They play. Indiana their conference games are Indiana, so, yeah. Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, Michigan State, Purdue. Wait, Indiana. There's a win. Right yeah, there. there's Indiana, so it should be a yeah. win. So, yeah. Well, that actually might not be a bad pick. Dude, and they so. play Northwestern the last game of the season, so yes. that could be your fifth win. Yep. And and they also play. And they also play Purdue. And nobody knows Purdue's that one team. Nobody knows they could win the West and they could finish last in the West. That's what I'll be shocked if they win the West. I will just say that right now. I will too. But I'm just saying, I, again, I'm going off of what the the pundits are saying, because I know that that Dave likes to read those. Since we're in the big 10, um, other big 10 um, uh, season win totals. I have, I did take the over on Michigan at nine and a half. Michigan's schedule sets up relatively well. I think um, everything coming out of the Michigan's, Michigan camp, everybody thinks they're going to be pretty good. Um, and I think they could get to that Ohio State game, um, maybe only looking at one loss at that point at, at worst. Um, and so I, I like Michigan over nine and a half. Well, yeah, because that one loss is going to be to Nebraska, right? I could be, I suppose. <laughs> I'm not going to bet on that one right now. I mean, we were certain. one fumble away from beating them last year. Um, so. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. It depends on how you like to play these season totals because your money's out there for a long time. But mm-hmm. sometimes they'll give you a, a, a number that's just too easy to take, even though you know you're not going to make a lot of profit on it. Um, Ohio State, there's uh, sites out there with over 10 and a half. Yeah. And I'm like, they're, they're not going to lose more than one game. They could lose a game, but they're not going to lose two. So I feel pretty good with Ohio State over ten and a half. Same thing with Alabama. You can. It's just they're just giving giving me money on on betting, ten and a half. Betting the over on the season with Alabama and betting the over on the first half with Alabama. Right. Yes, that is a system bet. Um, That's a system bet for Dave and 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 I started you. Using it last year at the end of the year and pretty much made all my money back that I had lost throughout the year just on that bet alone. I think at one Alabama. point I, I was like, you know what? I'm I'm so down. I think I took everything that was in my bank, put it on Alabama to to cover the first half or like be over in the first half and doubled my money right there. And I was like, okay, there you go. Yeah. Two so. two more just of interest. Um uh, future Big Ten um brother in USC. I took under nine and a half. I think they got too much going on there. Um, that's a big number. I mean, you're telling me USC is yeah. going to go ten and two. I totally see nine and three, maybe eight and four, definitely ten and yeah, two. I mean, Lincoln Riley's good, but he's not. He's not like what ten win, eleven win good. I, I just I don't see. Well, that I think he could be very well, soon. Well, yeah, but I'm really talking this so, year. I'm talking yeah, this exactly. year, right? Like, yeah. um, did take Utah over nine. Um, at that's worst, great. that's a push in my opinion. Um, and then here's the one, the fun one. Um, so I know Rob, you think Nebraska is going to go 15 or no? Um, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> um, but the win total there's seven and a half. Um, you know, I've I've been on record saying I think I'd be happy with just getting to a bowl. I do think seven and five is probably more likely than six and six. Uh, I think that's my season prediction is seven and five, but that's an that's an under. But a lot of folks are very bullish on Nebraska to get over that seven and a half whether you're a Nebraska fan that just is bleeds red or you look at the metrics and say that they actually should be favored in most of their games this year. Um, but actually I think the better bet, like just from a 
from a money standpoint. Because if you think Nebraska is going to win eight, nine games, um, keep in mind you've got Wisconsin and Iowa as your last two games. You can get Nebraska on the division winner uh, at plus 360, plus 350 on all the sites right mm-hmm. now. Um, if you think they're going to be eight and two going into those last two games, uh, take that bet over the over, uh, which doesn't pay you that well, um, pays a third of that. And if, if Nebraska is in that position by the end of the year, you hedge your bet and go ahead and just take Wisconsin or Iowa on the money line and you'll get your money back or Nebraska wins. And you can tell everybody that you took them to win the, win the division at the beginning. Well, of the season. And the reason, and the reason why that's actually not a horrible idea, Dave, too, is that, is that Wisconsin and Iowa both have extremely difficult conference schedules this year, right? They're getting, they're see. getting the, they're getting yeah. the poop end of the stick um, when it comes to who they're playing in their, you know, in their cross rival games, whatever, you know, whatever we call it. So cross division games. So, you know, there's a good chance. Sip did a great segment on it like a week ago talking about that, where he broke down. He said, okay, now everyone's talking about Nebraska, Nebraska, but let's look at the schedule of the other teams of the people that they, you know, need to beat out for the division. And that was, right. and he took a look and at Iowa. it and went through their schedule in Iowa and Wisconsin. I mean, their schedules may not be that great by the time we meet them. And that could be a good chance for us to beat, beat them in those games as well. So yeah, I mean, I mean but my, yeah. my point is that you can just hedge your bet at that point. Yeah. If you really yeah. think Nebraska is going to, going to win that many games, they're going to win the early games, right? It's a, it's a backloaded schedule. And the boomers point for, for months now is if Nebraska doesn't win a lot of these early games, uh, it's, it's, that spells trouble. So, um, if you, you're in, in the, the camp, but they're going to win a lot of early games, um, and you're a little unsure about the back end, um, take that division bet and then you could hedge against it if you need to. I like those Dave. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't well, have a little... lot early on this year. I, I think if I'm going to be betting anything, um, at least week zero, I, uh, UConn is playing at Utah state. Um, UConn is just a complete dumpster fire <laughs> at the program. I mean, it's a you can get a twenty-six point spread, but I think Utah State is going to cover that. So I think that's a if you want you something about zero, just have some fun program, with, yeah. just to kind of add a little excitement, spice things up points. a little bit. Yeah, just just have fun with it. Sweating out the Utah State game, exactly. And then uh, for an over/under um, earlier, you could snag it at Indiana. Their over/under was four and a half. I don't see them winning five games. I have yeah, no idea where you're going to find five that's a great wins in Indiana's schedule. I agree. Indiana. I mean, they, they play Idaho and Western Kentucky. Maybe they can win those. And Cincinnati is their other non-con. I, I have no faith against them against Cincinnati. So, I and crossovers are, yeah, not in their favor. So, yeah, I think I'd be an easy one to bet the bet the under on. So, if you can yeah. find five wins in that schedule, good luck. But, I like it. yeah, Indiana's like an easy one. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that's a good little uh, preview of uh, what – Folks could look forward to on uh, future BetCast segments. Um, information again on the uh, pickums down on the bottom of the screen. Um, I already gave my prediction seven and five. Maybe we can give our predictions here and, and get some parting shots and get out of here. Sound good? Rob, you want a prediction and a parting shot? Um, I'll just give a parting shot and just say we'd like to thank all of uh, Redcast Nation. I think I can call them that. Um for just everything that you guys have done to contribute to our shows in the off season here as we're leading up to 
week zero because without you guys, we would have no reason to be doing the show. And tonight was a great example. At one point I looked, I think we had almost 80 people watching the show live at one time. Um, you know, and you guys have been showing up in droves for the entire off season. It just goes to show how great Husker fans are in general. So thank you to all of you. And, uh, you know, cheers to winning the first game of our 15 and 0 season coming up here on Saturday. All right. Thanks, Ron. Boomer, get us out of here. Okay. Well, I don't necessarily have a season prediction. I just say if we don't go eight and four, it'll be kind of pretty depressing that I'd expect that in year five and with the schedule we have in front of us, you know, I've covered this many times just with the the talent we have with the schedule we play and we've got a runway that, you know, B-52s would be jealous of Uh, if you're not eating four this season. Yeah, there's issues. And then uh, my other parting shot would be a no football volleyball season's kicking off, but there's lots of other Husker sports that start playing this year too. There's, you know, soccer going on, there's cross country, all sorts of things. So that'd be something fun I'd suggest for any of the Redcaster listeners out here. Just go out and try some of the other sports that are out there that the Huskers play. There's lots of student athletes that would love to have fans show up. A lot of those games are free or very cheap to get into. And it's a great time to have. Uh, You can go during the week, go on a, you know, Sunday when nothing else is going on. So just go ahead and support Husker sports in general. So it's a great time and, and good time had by all. And I know the players would appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks boomer. It's great. All right, guys. Good show. Uh, I thought it was a really good uh, banner there with honky and Mac. And I think the bet calf was a nice way to cap it off. Um, for now, let's call that a go big red cast. Go big red. Hood at Media Production.